0: All sports, all the time.
1: There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die.
2: This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host,
3: Lance Quibolo. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball.
2: Touchdown, Kansas City. Patrick freaking balls, baby. Uh, let's talk some sports because that's what we're here to do. Tuned into the spoken. The spoken. This is the Spoken podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell, Eddie Ortiz, and Miss Gad on the ones and twos. Episode eighty-eight coming. Or, I'm sorry, eighty-eight man. We're jumping six episodes ahead. Holy shit! Episode eighty-two coming at you guys full full, full force, man. We are so ready to go for our live streamers, YouTubers, and podcasters. Welcome to your home, away from your home. Hopefully, Kawhi, Paul George, and the rest of the Clippers are joining us from their couches tonight as LeBron and the Lakers are taking on Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. And we have a great show lined up for you guys. We got Jay Beakley joining us momentarily. Cannot wait to get his thoughts on the all-things Chiefs and the NFL. But first, I want to start on a rant for a second. This is our first show this year in which we get to look back on an entire slate of NFL games. It's a great time to be here with you talking football, and in a few minutes, like I told you guys, we're going to be getting a a guy that knows football better than most of us could ever imagine. But I wanted to start tonight by going what I, I wanted to go over what I learned this week in a segment, and and I wanted to give you a few thoughts from a few matchups and the results from week one and what they told me. For starters, Joe Burrow is going to be special. Joe Burrow is going to be a damn good quarterback. In this league. I don't know about great yet, but I see what the Bengals see in him and have seen in him all this last year. The Chargers did everything they could to lose that game in week one, and they damn near did. Same with the Browns last night. But the Bengals are simply a year away from being a year away. And had the Chargers training staff worked a little harder... They would have been more players sidelined, which would have turned the tide for the Bengals more than likely. And to no one's shock, the Ravens are and will continue to be a great regular season team. The way they handled a Browns team that still has a massive image issue that is nothing short of impressive. Lamar looked great, the defense was sound, and they looked primed and ready for another huge disappointing loss in the playoffs. And when it comes to the Browns, well, let's just say that Football wasn't the only thing that was hitting OBJ in the chest. Uh, And Baker, you're either in or you're out with Baker. I personally have never been somebody that's believed in Baker. Uh, I know Trevor has has mentioned that his belief in Baker, and and it's because he has talent. Let's be honest for a second. He played incredible football back in OU. But I've never believed him to be an overall number 1 pick. And his blatant abilities in Year 3 are flaring, flaring brighter and brighter as each week comes about. And my guy, Matt Stafford, <sighs> uh, he deserves better than drop touchdowns on game-winning drives. Let's just leave it there. This Lions franchise is what will keep him and other greats like Barry Sanders and Megatron from getting that national spotlight and recognition as they clearly, clearly deserved. And Russell Wilson was nothing short of incredible, throwing as many touchdowns as incompletions, He displayed a performance as an example as to why I was tempted to predict him as my MVP going into this season. And he could make me look like a fool if he keeps it up. And the Seahawks, although deficient in certain ways and areas, got it where it counts, and I don't expect their weaknesses to outdo their strengths anytime soon. Possibly not even until the Super Bowl. And what did I say before the season began about my dude, A.A. Ron Rodgers? Formerly Trevor's guy. Uh, I told y'all, because of the Packers disrespecting my man again this offseason, knowing this this will be, in fact, be his final season as the Packers starting quarterback, Rodgers is going to go the hell off and have his best season since 2011. He's already, He's already on pace to prove me right. Cannot wait to continue to see his season as he flourishes. And Cam was impressive. And showed us all that he is still a top 10 talent at the quarterback position in the NFL. But let's be real here for a second. He wasn't even the best quarterback playing for the Patriots in week one. Ryan Fitzpatrick was Ryan Fitz magic for the Patriots with those three graceful interceptions. And I know that it stems from the guilt he carried since knocking them out of the two seed back in week 17 of last season. The Patriots are thin... And I didn't see anything from anyone outside of Cam that changes my mind on this Patriots team. The Eagles, Colts, 49ers, and Cowboys all shit the bed in games they should have clearly won. All four came into week one with high expectations and like a Philip Rivers Hail Mary, they all came about a half mile short. And regardless of how uninspired and unprepared they all looked in week one's L's Trust me when I say that the expectation and pressure as a whole won't change nor dissipate as the season progresses for any of them. So it'll be up to them to turn around this season and their season no matter how early it might be. The Steelers, they want a snooze fest against the horrific Giants. Big Ben is back-ish. In all seriousness, it was good to see him back on the field and fighting for a W and from the looks of it, He took Jameis Winston's advice and ate it. But he looked as good as a 38-year-old coming back from a severe elbow injury could look. The question is, will it work? Is it sustainable for all 16 and beyond? No. I don't believe so. But it'll be fun to watch what Ben will do with such a great defense behind him, providing the only real pressure the Ravens have felt within their division since Lamar's takeover, since he took over in Baltimore. And we all know how Lamar and crew handled pressure, or rather, how pressure handles them. The Broncos were hit with an unfortunate series of injuries before week one, but that didn't stop Drew the Drew, Lock, the Drew Lock love train. The hype on this kid has been the only real thing when it comes to his reputation. What has he done to garner any real praise and or credit from the local and national audience? Nothing. And that was on full display when he and his team were taken down at home by a Titans team that missed three field goals in a PAT. Look, Broncos fans, I, I, I have to be real with you. It's going to be a long season in Denver. And this Drew Love, Drew Locke Love train will grow old quickly. And speaking of old, did you all catch a gander at that senior circuit in New Orleans? Brady versus Breeze in the Diaper Bowl, brought to you by prunes and afternoon reruns of Matlock, was packed, filled with screen passes, interceptions, and laughs. The screen passes came from Breeze, the interceptions came from Brady, and the laughs came from me. From, <laughs> look, the Bucs are talented. Let's just be real here for a second. The Bucs are a talented team. We've known this for a couple of years now. But they did not upgrade at quarterback. They simply got a more accomplished show of a quarterback in Tom Brady to replace a mistake-laden young talent in Jameis Winston. In other words, they got no better at the most important position and looked to already have issues with chemistry. And maybe, look guys, maybe it'll get better. It won't, but even if it does, their better will be a contender's worst. Cannot wait to see a pirate ship burn and sink into the sea. And although they blew past arguably the worst team in the NFL, the Bills looked like a team that grew up and matured this offseason. Bringing back just as many starters from last season as the Chiefs did, Buffalo gave me even more confidence they will be joining the Chiefs in the AFC Championship in January. And speaking of the Chiefs, yeah, I didn't forget about our guys. I know it's going to come off as an odd flex, But every game this week, outside of their methodical beatdown on the Texans, told me more about the Chiefs' chances of repeating than the Chiefs did themselves. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you look around the league as a whole, you will see the glaring holes on each and every team, except the Chiefs. Sure. The Chiefs have their own issues and weaknesses and I'm sure they will at times rear their ugly head and may even cost the Chiefs a game or two during the regular season. But the difference in how they handle those issues, the difference in how they've answered those weaknesses is what continues to separate this franchise from the rest. When Todd Haley and Romeo Cornell failed, Clark Hunt went and got Andy Reid. When John Dorsey showed his inadequacies as a GM. They went with each season. And when Alex Smith continued to come up short in very winnable playoff games, they traded up for the greatest gift in NFL history in Patrick Mahomes. You lose yourself a Kareem, you get yourself a Clyde. And so it continues. This franchise answers their weaknesses and they always come out better for it. You'd think losing Brashad Breeland before the season began and losing Shavarius Ward to injury midway through the game would signify and justify team-wide panic. But with the additions of Tyron Matthew and drafting Warren Thornhill last offseason, along with adding Lord Jarius Sneed this offseason, you almost forget the fear of losing important pieces in those two. No other team can replicate what the Chiefs have already accomplished. No other team in the NFL can adjust to difficulties like the Chiefs. And again, it's not just the Chiefs that have proven this. Pay attention to what these teams have already revealed to you. Like Maya Angelou was once eloquently quoted in stating, When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. The other 31 teams are showing you who they are. Inferior to Mahomes and the Chiefs. Still chasing the greatness that the Chiefs have obtained yet continue to hunger for. Believe them. I know I do. And I have a strong feeling that as this season progresses, my belief and not only the Chiefs but the league as a whole will only continue to grow stronger. And I'm going to leave it right there because we have our guy, Jay Binkley, waiting, waiting on line one. I don't want to keep him waiting any longer because my guy's ready to go. I'm ready to go. We're all ready to go. So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're getting our guy, Jay Binkley's thoughts on all things Chiefs and all things NFL. We'll get back to that after this. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the kcpn in and studios with my guys Trevor Twidwell. What's good, Eddie Ortiz, yo, yo, yo. and our very special guest, the one, the only, Mr. j Binkley. Bink, how Bink, how we do it tonight, brother?
1: We're good. We get that. It's talk like a pirate day tomorrow. So just preparing for it,
3: so. <laughs>
1: getting spirit. Yeah, mean, you like? Know, I had you know, to celebrate. You know, you to you know? yeah.
2: yeah. Well, Tom, Tom Brady, must have been wearing a patch uh, in Week One because he was uh, he was throwing a few picks out there. So yeah, he didn't it's see the it's, whole field or not?
1: Yeah, it's not really for the Buccaneers. You know.
2: <laughs> well, in, in, my, in my first segment, I began by ranting about what I've been seeing from both the Chiefs the rest of the league and how I think they have already explained their glaring differences. Uh, what was your takeaway, just to jump right into it, what was your takeaway from the Chiefs' performance against the Texans this last Thursday?
1: It looked it looked a lot more crisp than I thought. I mean, not having preseason games, wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, it's such a big deal in football, getting the timing and down. A lot of people don't see the value in preseason, but I do. But the bottom line is, is why I thought the Chiefs were going to be the most prepared team this year, the Ravens, kind of the same way. A lot of that coaching staff is back with Baltimore. I mean, when you have every coach back, which the Chiefs do, and it kind of goes under-talked about, yes, we talk about all the players that are back for the Chiefs, but when you bring back Matt House and Brendan Daly and Dave Tobe and you bring all these guys that know exactly what to expect from their players and Eric Biennemi, Mike Kafka, you name it, and then the fact that Patrick Mahomes has used to these players, he's used to throwing the football to Tyreek Hill. He's just done. We saw the NFL. We saw where like, Drew Locke wasn't in sync with Jerry Judy. Uh, Drew, uh, Tom Brady could practice all he wants with those players, but you didn't see that in-game timing with a lot of players around the league, but you saw it with the Chiefs.
2: Absolutely. Well, th- this Chiefs offense has been absolutely deadly since uh, Patrick Mahomes took the reins in 2018. But it was simply unprecedented when Kareem Hunt was in the mix. Now... I believe that Clyde is the better talent and has a real chance of, of being even better than Kareem. Is that how you also view Clyde? Is, would, will he be everything Kareem was for this offense, but even possibly more than that?
1: I think so. I think that Clyde's going to fit in. I, you know, Kareem was such a good addition to this team, whether he's catching the football or the backfield. I mean, single-handed, he just destroyed the Patriots in the two games that he played with them. But I think Clyde's kind of the perfect mixture. He does the three things Andy Reid wants. Blocks can catch out of the backfield and runs. And again, we're talking about 95 SEC running backs that have been drafted since 2000, 15 in the first round. He's the only running back in the history of that conference, got 1,000 yards rushing and 50 50 receptions. Mm. And you look at who he was doing it against. Alabama, big, big receiving year, last year, big game, and then Clemson national title game. But he shows up against the biggest competition, but he's got extremely good hands, something Andy Reid really covets.
2: Now, as far as Clyde is concerned, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I said last on last week's episode that if if you wouldn't if you would have taken off the back of his jersey, the the name on the back of his jersey, he looked like a four year, five year veteran. Uh, how impressed were you in Week One? Do you think he's going to carry that type of momentum going into these next few weeks?
1: Well, I was impressed, especially since he's a rookie. And, you know, it kind of goes against what I was saying. You know, the familiarity with the offense, and he was already getting the hype. And we, we just hadn't seen him. You know what he did at LSU? That was a Fantastic offense. I mean, Joe Burrow throws for 60 touchdowns and Clyde just excels. I mean, that was a high octane NFL offense with their offensive coordinator in Carolina, Joe Brady. So I do think it helped acclimate him to the NFL. But yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to be heavy carry all the time. I think that they're going to give with the defense. They wanted to keep it relatively simple against the Texans. They knew they had them beat and they knew the Texans kind of rolled over uh, once the Chiefs started storming back. And, uh, but look at last year. You know, the Chiefs had six different receivers lead this team in receiving the first of six games of the year yep. before Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey took over and became the two leading receivers. But, you know, Byron Pringle was in that mix, and and McColl, and McColl Hardman was in that mix. And the bottom line is, and I know we're talking about running the football, but what's the defense giving you? You know, they're going to shore up the run. Chargers, you know, can stop the run. They, they have good tacklers on that team, but they can use Clyde edwards helaire out of the backfield that extension – of the running game, throw it out of the backfield. But, you know, I'd say get used to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think the guy's going to make a run to the leading rusher in the NFL. It's not against what Andy Reid does. I mean, with Cream Hunt, Andy Reid had the NFL's leading rusher, and he can't again. I mean, look at it, 34 runs last week, 32 passes. That's about split right down the middle.
2: Yeah, it's actually uh, crazy enough. I don't know if you were aware of the stat, but the, the fact that they ran the ball 34 times was the first time they had run the ball 34 times in a game under Andy Reid since week 17 of the 2016 season. Or, I'm sorry, that week 16 of it. 2017 season. Yeah, So, and ironically enough, it was the game before Patrick Mahomes took over in Denver in week 17 of the 2017 season. I mean, they so, won the
1: Super Bowl last year. They only had two games with the 100-yard rusher right. a season ago. Not only that, I know Damian Williams really shined when it came to the uh, AFC title game, the Super Bowl, getting in the end zone. Patrick Mahomes actually led this team in rushing the first two playoff games. Mm, It won't happen again. It will not happen again. (laughs) It shouldn't happen again.
2: Now, now the sidestep, though, real quick. Real quick, I'm sorry. The sidestep, though, on on a former teammate uh, of Clyde's, Joe Burrow. I want to get your thoughts on him real quick because we watched that game last night. And I'm going to be honest with you. I I know he threw the ball 61 times, which is not something you ever want to see your quarterback have to do. But I felt like Joe Burrow was very poised in moments and times, despite the deficiencies around him on that roster, which there are plenty of them. To see him be able to handle that and cut, and with such poise and look like an experienced veteran out there, personally, I loved what I saw from Joe Burrow. And personally, even further, I think he was the best quarterback on the field last night.
1: What are your thoughts? Yeah, no question. I mean, he didn't get the happy feet. He, he showed toughness by staying in the pocket. when that offensive line was doing him absolutely no favors. But the, the kid's got ice water in his veins. I mean, it's a big reason why last year, taking LSU on the road, winning those games, going to the playoffs. Of course, he had Jamar Chase, to one that the Cop Award. He had Justin Jefferson, he had Thaddeus Moss, he had Clyde in the backfield. I mean, that LSU team was an NFL team last year. Look at all their drafted guys. But he's got that, that it, that quiet confidence. I'll never forget after the title game, you know, he's on that couch. Um, He's got that hat on that he wore that uh, – probably can't mention it here. But uh, And he had that cigar, you know, smoking that cigar. It reminded me of Lynn Dawson, the fresh Yeah, yeah. In the Super Bowl. <laughs> in the Super Bowl. But he just – He's got – some quarterbacks have it, and some have to really, like, struggle to be it, like Baker Mayfield. Like, Joe Montana had it. It just came natural to him. He had it. Peyton Manning had it. Pat Mahomes has it. I think Aaron Rodgers, for most of his career, has had it. Tom Brady definitely has it. But Very few guys have it. But I think when all said and done, in a couple years, we're talking about the best quarterbacks in the AFC, and we're talking about, you know, matchups like you had Manning and Brady. You know, yes, it'll be Lamar Jackson – It'll be Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, if he gets a new head coach, and it'll be Joe Burrow that we're talking about amongst them. Drew Locke, can he make it to that tier? Got to show something a little bit different. Again, I think he's in a bad situation. Already got a second offensive coordinator, and I don't like Fangio as head coach. But I think Burrow's going to be a guy that we, we put in that company of, of Mahomes and Lamar Jackson mm. as far as the cream of the crop. The NFC better start working. The AFC's got these quarterbacks, these young, these young studs. That's true. That's
2: a very good point. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, though, on the opposite end of the age spectrum, uh, I've never been one, as soon as Tom Brady went to the Buccaneers, I've never been one that bought into it because I didn't believe that he was going to be a real difference maker for this team to take them to that next level. uh, Despite being a guy that's not going to turn the ball over 30 times, at least we think so to this point. Bink, are, are the Buccaneers already in trouble?
1: I don't think they're in trouble. I, I feel like they played a road That not road games, are really road games in the NFL, except getting on a plane and traveling and staying in a hotel. I do think that's a factor. But I have the Saints in the Super Bowl. I mean, I think that's a Super Bowl caliber team. I think they're one of the class, two or three class teams in the NFC. That's tough. I mean, and you got to get things in sync. Again, no preseason football. I think Gronk gets things going. I think Tom Brady, the defense showed some flashes. I mean, there were some mistakes by Tom Brady in the pick six. But there, was, there were times in that game and I said this, this Buccaneers defense is playing on the other side of the field. Hmm. I mean, they're aggressive and they can get it. So if Tom can, you know, manufacture 24 to 27 points, they can get that passing game in, in rhythm. I, I think that with the added playoff team, I think they're certainly a playoff team.
2: Now, I want to bring it back to the Chiefs real quick because this is something that I'm a little confused about what's going on with Willie Gay Jr.? Are we going to see him this next week? I mean, because he was a ghost in week one. What, what What's going on with that, man?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, some rookies are going to start slower. I mean, the NFL is a tough game. I mean, not everybody is Clyde edwards helaire that can do what he did, or even luxurious Sneed showing what he had. Even Mike Dana looked good for the Chiefs. He did have 16 snaps on special teams. That, that was a good sign for Willie Gay Jr., because if he was an active And I get it, you get the two extra guys active on game day. You have five inactives Mm -hmm. instead of the seven. But the fact that he was on special teams, the fact that Toad, you know, got a tackle on special teams, ended up 16 snaps, that bodes well for Willie Gay Jr., in my opinion, just to kind of get used to the game. It's it's a tough system. Spag runs a tough deal, man. It's a it's a tough defense. As we saw this defense really didn't start jelling until that Mexico City game against the Chargers last year. It had the talent. But again, there's gonna be some rookies. Like Joe Burrow, like Clyde, that don't look like rookies, and there's going to be you've got a lot of guys, but you don't have rookie minicamp, you don't have the OTAs, you don't have the training camp. It's going to take some guys a little bit longer uh, to get rolling, but at least he was on special teams. Had he been inactive, then you can start worrying about it. But the fact that he was on Dave Toad's unit for 16 snaps, I think bodes well for him.
2: I'm sure this is going to shock you, Bink, uh, but the Chargers are an absolutely injury-riddled team right now. Yeah, yeah. Can you try and and explain this one for me? Why is this a tradition like any other? Uh, (laughs) Can you at least give me your best theory as to why each and every damn year, this Chargers team, albeit talented as hell, cannot seem to find a way to stay healthy, at least going into a season? Help help me with this one, man.
1: Yeah, snake bit. Dermon James was huge, man. That was, and they got boasted Melvin Ingram on the defensive side, but there was no leader like Derwin James. I mean, that guy was coming into his own, and yep. the fact they're missing him is absolutely huge. But uh, Pouncy, you know, he didn't play in week one. you like, okay, it's going to be a slow developer to come, and then you see what happens to him. That's the quarterback of that offensive line. That's a huge piece for the Chargers. I know we don't talk about Austin Ryder much with the Chiefs, but it is the guy that calls out the signals on the defensive line. It is the guy responsible for blitz pickups. And Pouncy was a tough guy, man. That's a big loss for them, but I don't know. I don't know if it's training staff-wise or whatever, but it's hard to pinpoint that. But the the Chargers just continue to uh, – we're not even talking about COVID with the Chargers. We're talking about regular (laughs) old flat injuries with them. It's going to be tough. I watched hard knocks with them, and they seem to look pretty good, albeit that was hard knocks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A little bit bit surprised. Well, I'm not surprised by the injuries. That just seems to be what they – but they have an imbosives on the injury report earlier this week.
2: Yeah, yeah, with an Not arm now. injury, I believe, yeah. Now, I, I'm going to get to some brass tacks here for a second. I, I've been with somebody who's been confidently of the belief that the Chiefs are the only true contender in the AFC. And I know the Ravens and Bills look promising, but to me, especially the Ravens, they aren't built for playoff adversity, in particular winning a game that they're trailing in. That's been proven. What are your thoughts, though? Is is there a team or teams that you could see knocking the Chiefs off in the playoffs realistically?
1: Just the Ravens. I mean, if, if you ask me to take a bet, if I take the Ravens and Chiefs or the field, 100% I'd put my money on the Ravens and Chiefs. I think it's going to be one of these teams. I do. I think they're on a collision course for the AFC title game. I know what happened last year. I don't think it'll happen again. I mean, you do have a, a head coach with the Super Bowl ring on his finger. I don't think they – Lamar put up big numbers. It just was inefficient, big numbers. But it was huge, rushing and throwing the football, but they were, you know, inefficient plays, so to speak. But I think they're taking those steps. It reminds me of Favre and the Packers, and they take those steps. They get the playoffs. They kept getting knocked off by the Niners and the Dallas Cowboys and finally able to punch through. But uh, I, I do believe that there's a team out there. It's the Ravens, everybody that came back, plus the coaching staff. Now I think the Chiefs are going to beat them in week three. The Chiefs are a better football team. Than the Baltimore Ravens, but I think they clearly pose the biggest challenge. And I don't even know who the other tier is. I mean, tier one is only Chiefs and Ravens. And I'll put the Ravens on that tier. Tier two, you got the Buffalo Bills. Who knows what New England's going to come up with? Belichick seems to coach really well when he's forced to, like when he went three and one without Brady, or when he won eleven games with Matt Castle. So will the Bills be that team? The Colts disappointed me. I thought, you know, they were just that quarterback away from what they'd done with Chris Ballard and that offensive line. Re- rebuilding some of that defensive pieces. And I thought the Colts were going to be that team that clearly stubbed their toes in Jacksonville, although that's just week one. It doesn't mean a ton. But uh, it's like Houston. I would like to say Houston, but Houston's got Kansas City, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. They could start off 0-3, and then mm-hmm. we can just gonna put them out the window. If teams 0-3 don't make the playoffs very right often.
2: Well, speaking, you bring up Pittsburgh, uh, and, and for the record, by the way, I actually... And I have, like them.
1: They'd be Tier 2.
2: Yeah, okay, so Tier yeah. 2. So I actually, for the record, I just want to clarify here. We did our prediction show a little over a week ago, and I actually made the prediction that I have the Bills beating the Ravens in the divisional round to face the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. So I'm with you on the the Bills. I think they're going to be better than a lot of people I like the, the Bills. Yeah. But to, to speak on the Steelers real quick, I, I spoke on it a little bit in the first uh, segment here. Ben Roethlisberger, he didn't look bad at all. But do you believe it's sustainable? I know their defense is elite. They have a great defense. They have a really good coach. Do you think, because it's all going to hinge on Ben. If he plays well, they can be a a, a perennial or a a team to take seriously in the playoffs. It may even give the Ravens a push for that division. Do you believe it's sustainable, though, with his 38-year-old tendons torn off, basically having Tommy John surgery? Do
1: you think it's sustainable? If he stays healthy. If Ben stays healthy, he can command that offense. Love their running game with Connor. I like Benny Snell a ton with that team. I think they have good offensive skill positions, and they have a good coach that wears a ring on his finger. It's been the two Super Bowls and one. one. Ben's won a Super Bowl, or Ben's won a couple, so they've, they've got the pedigree to do it, but <clears throat> that defense will carry them a long way. They're not going to expect so much from their offense this year with that defense playing the way it is, but i put Pittsburgh right there with Buffalo. I think right now is the other two besides the Ravens and Chiefs. And we'll wait to see what happens uh, to the Colts. See if they can turn things around. But uh, definitely, I'd say Pittsburgh right now. If you ask me, who's the third best team? Would be them.
2: Now. now, now, really quick though, you did say something about Lamar Jackson or the Ravens. Uh, you're giving them a lot of praise, which I understand because they are an insanely deep team. Lamar Jackson's the defending MVP. they, Love they running have, game. Yeah, they have. They have an incredible. Yes, absolutely. And John Harbaugh is a is a top five to six coach in this league, in my opinion. But we we can't ignore. The, the way, the, how different they are from the regular season to the playoffs over these last two years with Lamar. Now, I know, like you said, there are steps. But I, I want to get your thoughts on what you think those steps are that they've taken this last offseason in order for them to take that next step, if you will. Because, obviously, we know that this team lost a, some, a dramatically disappointing game in Baltimore last year to a team they had no business losing to in the Tennessee Titans. What do you think those steps are that make the Ravens that much more scarier from last season to this season?
1: I think just the experience of going to the postseason. I think last year they kind of overachieved, you know, winning 14 games, losing two. I think the Ravens, they definitely caught me by surprise. I thought they'd be much improved. I like Lamar Jackson a ton coming out of Louisville because was, I mean, he's the only 3,000, 1,000 guy for two straight years in college football history. I knew they, they were going to be good. They could run. They could pass. Whatever you want them to do, they could do it. But just the experience, the coaches have been there. They've done that. Uh, get the coaching staff back for them. And uh, it's just like the Chiefs. You know, they've stubbed their toes in the playoffs before and then was able kind of to put it together with Pat Mahomes. I felt the Chiefs should be, should have gone to the Super Bowl two years in a row after losing to the Patriots that one year. I'm sure that you agree with this offsideser. offsides. Or, you know, Absolutely. They're playing the Rams, and probably win that game. It would been showdown number two between Chiefs and Rams, and Rams were a different team by the time you got to the postseason. But yeah. I, I do – I mean, they need to beat the Chiefs. I mean, they're 0-2 against the Chiefs. They need to prove – And the Chiefs had to have some magic to beat the Ravens last year, you know, in the regular season. There was some magic. So if the Chiefs go on and beat the Ravens in Baltimore in front of, I know it's no fans or limited fans in Baltimore at this point, but that would be huge for the Kansas City Chiefs if able to go on the road. If they win that game, I'm just looking at where do they stub their toe. Maybe Buffalo on Thursday night because weird things happen on Thursday night. I don't know, but – if they can get through the Ravens. Now, the Ravens, if they beat the Chiefs, that, that's taking a big step. That's beating the best team in the AFC. So the Ravens can prove a lot to themselves that they can get over the hump of the Kansas City Chiefs, kind of like New England was kind of you know, that stumbling block. And we get over the New England Patriots with Pat Mahomes. And then he does it. And they beat him in a regular <clears throat> season. And you kind of put that thing to bed. I think the Chiefs kind of kept the New England Patriots alive um, for another year. After that, uh, I think the, the Patriots would have seen a collapse with that team. Last season, if it, if it was the Chiefs in an AFC title game.
2: Speaking of the Patriots, and I'm, I'm glad you brought them up. Uh, Cam Newton looked really good in Week One. I think he brought, showed that his athleticism is still very much there. Uh, that his injuries are not going to keep him down at least for now. But, but I'm going to be honest with you. Being, I, I don't think that this Patriots team is very good. I think Bill Belichick's an incredible coach. He's going to coach the, his ass off each and every week and have this team as prepared as possible. But they're insanely thin at a lot of positions. Cam Newton does not have any true proven weapons outside of Julian Edmund who'll be 34 this year. I don't think they're sustainable. I don't think Cam Newton's athleticism is going to be able to get them big victories. I don't think they're going to be able to beat teams that cuz you know it's bound to happen. Every week there's the unpredictable you start up you're down 17 points before the second quarter even gets there. They, I don't believe their style is going to get them big wins against big teams because you know they're going to be facing some hard teams. They have one of the hardest schedules in the NFL. Do, do you have belief that this Patriots team can actually make a playoff run?
1: Hey, can they sneak into the playoffs a wild card? Possibly. Uh, they still have that defense. I mean, that defense. I know they had eight opt-outs. And Chung being gone from a season. I'm surprised Earl Thomas hit the Patriots, to be quite honest with you. It was like the perfect fit for him. i shocked.
2: That's not bad, did yeah. he,
1: did he, I'm shocked that he's not, to be honest with you. Belichick likes those guys with experience, but they didn't have the eight opt-outs this year. And But it was a defense last year, a few of I know we don't do really their schedule last year, but their defense, can they muster 14 points, 21 points, and win football games? Possibly. Uh, Bill Belichick's going to Princeton offense this thing. He's going to dumb it down, slow it up. Cam Newton is so big. On those vital, I mean, put it this way, in 18 and 19, Tom Brady only had 69 yards rushing. <clears throat> Kim Newton in one game had seventy-five. Right. That's the most since Steve Grogan with <laughs> 85 in 1977. That was a long time ago. I was four years old then. That was a that was a long time ago. Yeah. But it did adds they, a new element quick, to it.
2: Real quick, Big, did they have TVs back then?
1: They did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> color television?
1: Another. Was it color? <laughs> <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, I mean, they go through Cam. What if Cam gets hurt? Then you put Stidham in there. That changes things up. I mean, so many of these teams are so top-heavy. I, I think the Chiefs, if something happened to Pat, I think they could find a way to win games because there's so much talent and so much, you know, brain work offensively with, with Reed and Kafka and Bienemy, and I think they could scheme it up and hey, just go Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a lot more in the game and you know get, get the ball out to Kelsey and play it down. I think the Chiefs are more acclimated you know, to deal with that for a couple of games yeah. rather than the New England Patriots. I think Jared Stenham would vastly change that Patriots team if he was uh, forced to play. I think Cam's got that leadership ability to get the job done. But they're going to coach. I mean, Belichick, week to week, there's not many coaches. I, I take Andy Reid at this point over Bill Belichick, and that's it. That, that's where the list stops as far as coaching to your talent. Speaking
2: of the Chiefs and speaking of their weapons, I got a real problem with Demarcus Robinson, man. I, I know he's lower on the totem pole, so more times than not, he's, gonna, he's not going to affect the outcome of a game. And he didn't affect the outcome of the game last week, even though he dropped two touchdowns. He's in year five, soon to be 26 years of age. We know who and what he is in this offense. Bink, McCole Hardman needs those targets because he's a true playmaker in this offense and on this team in general. Am I off base here for saying that?
1: I think he will, but DeMarcus, I think, was ready to go into his own. I really, if he would have hit the free agency market, you know, with another team, he'd be looked upon probably as a bigger target than here in Kansas City. I was a little bit surprised with the drops. Of course, that one mattered most because they ended up having to punt the football. They could have taken an early 7 then lead. The second one, they ended up scoring anyway. But it's concerning, but DeMarcus Robinson is so talented, though, man. And the thing about it is, Mahomes' trusty. I mean, he's in that Mahomes circle of trust. You saw him go to, him. The drops are kind of uncharacteristic. Andy Reid does not like drops. You remember Junior Hemingway that ended up making this oh, stand yeah. a long time ago? Yep. Because he caught the football. He couldn't do a lot of other stuff. He caught the football and Andy Reid kept him on the team. But Cole Hardman, I think, got better at the intermediate routes this year. I think you'll start to see him more and more. But again, it goes back to the, last, uh, the first six games of last year. We had a different leading receiver for every single one of these games because the Chiefs spread it around. But uh, Hardman's development is very important because I wasn't sure DeMarcus and Sammy was coming back this year. I was wondering who was going to step up and take that physicality role of Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is extremely physical wide good. receiver. Yeah. He's, he's the most physical receiver. Uh, he reminds me of Heinz ward light to be honest with you. Yep. He will mix it up. He even said this week he didn't mind cracking a linebacker. But that's what he does. I mean, the whole me the ball stuff, when Sammy Watkins and the, and the ego a little bit that receivers have when they first join the league, I think that really subsided when he was in Los Angeles. You know, he's like fourth on that team interceptions, but he let him in touchdowns. When it mattered most, he was there. But I was wondering, could DeMarcus take that step up? Because last last year in New England was Stephon Gilmore getting into it with uh, Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins putting him right on the ground mm-hmm. in that little scuffle they had towards the sideline. But those are the little things I was wanting to see maybe this year from DeMarcus Robinson. But uh, certainly Mahomes trusted him. And see why? He's got outstanding speed. And, you know, those drops, I think, were kind of an anomaly. I would hope that's not a trend that continues, but the guy does have serious talent.
2: All right, man. Well, it's Chiefs-Chargers this week. Uh, and as anticlimactic as that might be, seeing the Chiefs have lost one game to the Chargers since 2014. Um, 11 of the last 12 they've won. Yeah, 11 of the last 12. Pretty uh, it's pretty it's, good. It's not really much of a, I would even say, rivalry at this point. It hasn't been in very long, since Andy Reid's essentially been here in Kansas City since 2013. But still, I, I need to get your thoughts on this, man. G- give me your thoughts on how this game's going to go. Who's going to win? What's your score prediction? Just give me what you got for this week, man.
1: Well, I think the Chiefs um, win this game big. Although, I will say this. Anthony Lynn will pound it. I mean, if this is going to be Eckler, you're going to see the, the Chargers try to run the ball a lot here. Tyron Taylor is kind of uh, through for a couple hundred yards. They ran for a, a bunch on the Bengals. They're going to run the football. It, it, it's up to the Chiefs because they're going to try the time of possession. game. It's just what they're going to do. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason or way to stop Mahomes except keep him on the sideline. And we saw last year when the Colts played in Kansas City, they had it for 40 minutes the Chiefs had 20. I mean, it's 2-1. to When the Texans beat the Chiefs in the regular season, they had it 17 minutes longer than the Chiefs. I mean, it's more than a quarter. That's the only way I could see with the Chargers. But the bottom line is, and I do think it's big, the Chiefs either have a mini-bye week or a bye week before every AFC West road game. The fact that the Chargers had to fly to Cincinnati, play in a late afternoon game, fly back when the Chiefs had Friday off, Saturday off, Sunday off. I think that stuff is big, man. The Chiefs were already, you know, planning the game plan before the Chargers even got off that plane in Los Angeles. You know, the Chiefs already kind of had the mixture down the Chargers. Chargers usually keep it close, though. And yeah. Phillip Rivers would always turn it over. We know that it's his turnovers late in the game. Yeah. Fourth, yeah, exactly. Fourth quarter turnovers, even without Derwin James, are still stout. But uh, I do think you're going to see a lot of short passes, and runs by the Chargers. Can they keep it close? Can yeah. the Chiefs win this game 34-24? to 24? I think that's probably the line. I love the 8.5. I would actually go over that. Mm-hmm. But can the Chargers keep it within 10 points? I believe so. And don't forget, Mahomes has never lost by more than a touchdown, ever. 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 He's always in the game. Always in the game.
2: Final question for you, Bank. And this is the most important one. <laughs> What beer are you currently drinking? And what beer do you recommend to us fellow beer drinkers to try out that maybe we haven't tried to this point?
1: It's actually a Boulevard Tasting Room. Honey Blonde Ale I'm drinking now. I just drank an Oktoberfest before this one. I recommend October. Obviously, it's the time of year to drink Oktoberfest. Right? August is when they start That's unrolling right. them. But Bob's 47 from Boulevard is outstanding. Sam Adams. And I know see well, there's so, so many different varieties of beer. No, Sam Adams' Oktoberfest is legit. Balty, rich, a little chocolatey. The Free State puts out a good Oktoberfest. Sam Adams Schlafly puts one out. And uh <laughs> but my ultimate beer though is KBS, Kentucky Breakfast mm, Stouts, mm, Bourbon mm, Barrel mm. Age and Founders. And it's hard to find, man. They, they have they, truck chasers. Every, there, every
2: place, whenever it's announced that they they dropped one at like say Gomer's. Yeah. Or, or a place like that—it's gone. gone in thirty minutes. I mean, it's like it, twenty
1: bucks a four pack. It's yeah. like twelve
2: percent out calls. It's it, legit. It, it's like Kenny Chesney concerts at Arrowhead. You know, as soon as the tickets go on sale, they're just blown out, man. All the chicks are taking off their boots and stuff. So, I, and trust me when I say, man, I, I try to find the KBS. So if you get a connect, you better let me know, man. I still have
1: two left. Two.
2: Oh, I'll, I'll Venmo you for both of them. <laughs> but, big it, it, man, hey, thank you so much for being here tonight with us, man. I, 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 we, well, I wish we could have you on every single week. Uh, I love
1: it. You guys have a great show.
2: Absolutely, man. I really Thanks, appreciate man. that. Is our guy Jay Binkley? Find him on Twitter. Three Guys in a Garage. He's got incredible intel. I mean, I'm sure he can break down high school scores for you.
1: I miss the pizza with you guys. I'm
2: telling you, man. You hey. got to be in here with us. Got to get that. I Topper's miss going pizza. to high
1: school games.
2: What the hell, man? Fuck this COVID, life is man. Just so weird. Hopefully, 2021, we can hang out in here, yeah. have some uh, pizza, some Toppers Pizza, and talk some high school do football. It. Does that sound good to you?
1: Sounds good to me. Well, in the meantime, no, trim. Hell in yeah. the
2: meantime, man, let's enjoy some Chiefs football. Let's try to get another another championship. How about that?
1: Right on, fellas. Enjoy the new. Just let me know anytime. I'll hop on with you guys. You're See the know. best.
2: You're the best, B. Thank you so much, man.
1: Take care, guys. Enjoy your night. You too, Thanks. brother. So that's our
2: guy, Jay Binkley. Like I said, guys, we got to pick his brain, get some Chiefs knowledge, some NFL knowledge from our guy. Uh, but we we need to get to Eddie. I mean, it's been too quiet over there. I, I hear he's over in like Haiti or some some shit like that. So we're gonna get we're gonna get to our guy Eddie and, and pick his brain at the Eddie hour. So let's take a quick break because we got to get to our guys' thoughts and what he's got going on this week. I know he's got some good stuff. I know he's going to try to trigger me. And he's got that little smirk in his <laughs> eyes. So. so let's get to that. We'll get back to that after this.
4: You are listening to Kansas City Podcast Network. Talent-driven, FCC-free. Check out our show lineup, videos, events, and more over at kcpn.org. The voices of Kansas City, unfiltered.
2: Podcast for segment number three. I am your host Lance Twidwell here inside the KCPN studios and my guy is Trevor Twidwell. is good. Mr. Eddie Ortiz. yo yo yo, And this dat on the ones and twos. Uh, segment number two, was nothing short of amazing. I, I mean, I would, I would pick Jay Beakley's mind over anybody else's mind when it comes to the, the world of football. I, I love hearing his thoughts on all, on all levels of football, by the way. This guy knows his, his, his high school football, he knows his college big time action guy. And a big time NFL guy as well. So if you guys if you guys want some football knowledge, hit my dude up on Twitter at Three Guys in a Garage. You can also hit him up on uh, Facebook as well, Jay Binkley, and uh, just pick his brain. Man, he's one of the coolest down to earth dudes, and he knows his football and he definitely knows his beer. So definitely check out you're podcasting or YouTube and definitely hit up that segment as well. But we need to get to our guy Eddie, who is already triggered. By the way, <laughs> um, I, he usually tries to get me triggered, and it usually does work. By the way. Uh, in this segment. But he's already triggered. Eddie, you want to go ahead and explain to the people why you're so triggered
3: already? Because yeah. the NBA favors one player, one player only. Who's you know, that? Mr. Flop himself, LeBron James. Oh, okay.
2: So so if we could maybe, you know, in a moment, if Eddie keeps, you know... Thank you. Freaking out. I got maybe, you. maybe we get, Yeah, I got get some Ron Swanson on Eddie this time around and flip the, flip nah. the script, if you will. I'm not, but that,
3: I'm not that triggered. But in
2: the meantime, our guy Eddie Ortiz... Needs to give us a, a series of questions and bring oh, our man. guy Trevor into the show. I know the ladies are waiting for that one for sure. So, Eddie, what's going on in the mind of Eddie Ortiz
3: this week? All right, man. Just got a, it's got a few questions. Uh, first question: uh, I just want to get your thoughts on the Big Ten resuming football in October.
0: Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, I mean, well, I think we all kind of knew it was going to happen once the, the the league started getting the other leagues that were participating started it started working and was working smoothly. We figured everyone was going to eventually jump on board because money talks and the Big Ten being what it is, being the entity that it is, the teams that it carries along with it, and those guys were all wanting to play. The players were already wanting to play. There's probably a handful of players that didn't want to, and that still might not. But overall, people want their football. Football players want to play their football. To me, this is not a shock whatsoever.
2: Oh, this, this is not a shock because, like Trevor just said, money it's talks. It's a good thing. The once they knew that COVID could be controlled, they've seen the other leagues, the pro leagues control COVID and, yep. and see the test positive. I mean, I think the MLB just had over fourteen thousand tests and only one came back positive over Finally that span had it
0: under control slightly. Right,
2: so I think that that kind of gave them because you understand there's a different level of of security you have to have when it comes to college ranks because the guys aren't getting paid. You're putting child, you know, basically children at risk at that point, young young adults at least. Yeah. And, and there's just a different level of severity for that. So if they saw these pro leagues just succeeding during this time, I think that at first the knee-jerk reaction was let's not play at all. Now they're all starting to come back, and I think it's great news. I think it's great news for the fans too because I know there's a loyal millions and millions of fans in college football. It's different, man. It's a different breed out there. So it's 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 good news for everybody.
3: All right. Uh, next question. I actually, I, I'm actually interested in hearing your answer on this one. I got you. I got you. Uh what was the Clippers biggest disappointment in game 7? Kawhi, PG13, or coaching?
2: Um I I don't think it was coaching to say to say this although I do have an opinion uh in regards to coaching for the Clippers. But I don't think it was coaching. I think what it was is th- this team liked the smell of their own shit if you will. Uh they they <laughs> they, they were they were the team and it, it was so evident all throughout the regular season, all throughout the bubble 8 games, all throughout the playoffs they just—they believed in their own hype. They saw the the the, the cliff notes. They saw the headlines and, and all the media talking about them about how they're just going to be the favorites. They're the deepest team. Kawhi is this guy that's on a trajectory to do things like no one has ever done before, winning three championships or three different teams. You know, there's all this hype and praise that they didn't feel like they needed to go out there and actually achieve it. So that falls directly on the players, in my opinion. I think Doc Rivers. A good coach, but I think he's been getting exposed lately with all the 3-1 deficits that he's been giving up and losing in choking fashion. That's been exposing him. I think, though, he still did what he needed to do to get this team mentally prepared. At the end of the day, these are grown-ass adults and grown-ass athletes. A lot of them were veterans on this team, by the way. There weren't a lot of young guys on that Clippers roster. It's on the players, because Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard were brought there to change the entire history of the Clippers, a team that's never even gotten to the Western Conference Finals, ever. That team was a shoe-end to get to the Western Conference Finals this year. I was Me, Nick Wright, and maybe five other people on the planet didn't buy into this team going into this season. And now it shows why. This team didn't take the season seriously. They thought they were going to blow by the Mavericks. Took them six games, and if it wasn't for Borzyga's getting hurt and ultimately missing the rest of that series, I think the Mavericks get through that series. Then you see a Nuggets team hungry, driven, motivated to prove their worth, ended up coming back from 3-1. It's on the players completely.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it is it would be easy to pin this on Doc because of the the, the track record he has which is valid, but it's not the, it wasn't the biggest reason. The biggest reason, I mean, let's let's do a side-by-side comparison T- 2011, the biggest black mark on, on LeBron James' career. When they failed, when they were the better team and everyone knew it, they had, the two, they had the two of the best players him and D-Wade were the two, the first two best players in that series, even as great as Dirk was, D-Wade in my mind was still better at that time. We can argue that, but either way, did anyone mention Coach Spolstra being at fault when they lost that series? No. It was the fact that LeBron James lost their series. That he choked, right? So we've got to keep that same energy with the other superstars or the quote-unquote superstars that want to be the new king of L.A. and want to you know, want to come in here and, and act like this, who quite frankly have the best roster, probably top to bottom, have the best roster in the Western Conference, and you still lost to a bunch of youngster, youngsters who have never even done this before. Right, so these are a bunch of first timers and going against guys that have been deep in the playoffs and have won uh, NBA Finals MVP and have been, you know, Defensive Player of the Year. So Kawhi Leonard, in my mind, is the number one guy here. You got to be the guy. This is the first time Kawhi's ever had that pressure on him to be the guy to carry the load, like we've seen LeBron James do since pretty much the beginning of his career. There's no excuses there. Paul George, I think a lot. Anybody who's a who's a uh, you know uh, a big fan of the NBA and has watched a lot of NBA like we have. We've seen this before, Paul George. We kind of expected this from Paul George. We all kind of knew this was coming. So um, the fact that Kawhi Leonard had numerous disappearing acts and was absolutely atrocious in most of the – three of the seven games, I think he scored zero points in the fourth quarters. Three of the games there. It's unacceptable for me and a superstar player and a champion, who I, I love and respect, but he fell short. And he should be the top dog to blame here. The two stars in that team let that team down. And quite frankly, the entire team let themselves down because the the, the the two six men of the year players that you know were braggadocious all year about the depth of that team, and Lou Williams was absolute ass the entire bubble. He was ass. He was trash. He was trash in this series. He couldn't put you know he was he was the closer for that team. He couldn't put games away. They couldn't hold leads because of the depth was failing them as well. So the entire roster all needs to hold the L because they're all I mean starting with Hawaii. But the responsibility falls on top of the two stars of the team first. And I think Doc would probably get third on the list of the blame, honestly. All
3: right.
0: All in all, just an outright inexcusable loss there. Gotcha, gotcha.
3: Uh, this next question is a two-part question. Uh, the first is, uh, is Jimmy Butler a superstar? And the second is, is Miami about to sweep the Celtics?
2: Hmm. I hate to give you the same answer for both, but no. Uh, Jimmy Butler is hes a special breed of player because – he isn't great when it comes to individuality. He's not a great individual player in most regards. He's not a knockdown shooter. He's an incredible defender, mm-hmm. but outside of that, he's not. He's not a great passer. Not a great rebounder. He's just kind of really good at a lot of stuff. Um, if if you want to be honest with me, if I want to be if, I'll, I'll give you this. He is. Bear with me for a second. Paul George with a worse shot, but a much stronger mentality. He is what Paul George would be if he had a strong mental game. You know why. Because he's an
0: overachiever. Exactly. Jimmy Jim- Butler was not expected. He played in a small school. Dude, go read his bio. Right. It's insane. How many odds? Yeah.
2: I mean, obviously, genetically, he hit the lottery. Right. But as far as He's worked being for everything to- he's got. Yeah, be able to be where he's at. You got to give him all the respect. And and he's he's in a acquired taste. All. He's a yes. acquired taste. So the mental, the mental aspect is what I, I think he's a mental superstar. I'll tell you that. Yeah. But as an actual NBA player, no, he's he's in a tier two, tier three. I would say tier two more likely uh, to sweep the Celtics. No, I'm actually going to stick with the Celtics. I think the sure. ste- the Celtics are going to fight back mm-hmm. in this series. Think about how strange everything they're is. Too talented, man. Yeah, they're too talented. Because if if, if things would have gone the way they were supposed to, the Celtics would have had those first two games at home. In, in an actual normal season, which means that they more than likely wouldn't have been out, down 0-2, and they would have been going back to Miami in a different setting. But now with no real fans, now with it just being basically like backyard basketball, there is no true momentum for most teams. Now, Miami, I will give them a ton of credit. They could very well win this series. But Boston has what the Heat don't, and it's to the point about superstar talent. Jason Tatum's not there yet. But he's already on the verge of passing LeBron James as the only player or the youngest player in NBA playoff history to record the, uh, four games of 25, 10, and 5. He's already got three. He's tied LeBron with that. He's the youngest player to do it with LeBron. Yeah. So with him and Jalen Brown and Kimball Walker and the fact, I know a lot of people are pushing this narrative that them fighting in the locker room was actually a negative thing. I actually say the opposite. Right, I right. think teams like that need that. Marcus Smart. This is why he's, he's so valuable. The team. Yes. Yeah. He got his team and said, "You all are full of bullshit." Straight up bullshit. said it. All the reporters were outside the locker room stated that. Yep. That's going to, I think, reinvigorate this team. I think they win the next two games and even up this series and stick with my prediction of the Celtics in seven.
0: Yeah, I love it. I'm right there with you on that. Um, Jimmy Butler is not a superstar, but he is without a doubt a star. Um, I think he's like right there in that tier with like a Clay Thompson. Um, I think Clay Thompson is the better player slightly, but they're, in the, they're like in that same tier. To where I, I look at him as more like a Scottie Pippen, how he was with the Blazers, how that was a good Blazers team when he went there, you know. But he has that; he's a very good defensive-minded guy, very strong-willed. Um, isn't really the best go-get-a-bucket guy or a pure scorer, but he's very clutch. Obviously, we've seen that in numerous games in the bubble. They've lost one game in the bubble or in the playoffs so far by him being the leader. But he's had a he, and we're sleeping on the great coaching that's going on with there in Miami. I think Spolstra is, is coaching his absolute ass off. And this, so far in this series, he's out coaching Coach Stevens. Um, Stevens has got to put the, their foot on the throat because they've had too many leads and they've blown them. Uh, but all kudos to this, this the toughness of this Miami team. Uh, but he's got a great – that Miami roster is a great roster. It's very deep. A lot of the guys are very gritty type guys um bam has been playing out of his mind making big time blocks big time to visit him and he's been hitting his free throws has been making short mid mid-range jump shots and getting to the bucket uh Dragic is playing maybe his best year of his career at 30, what, 34? Yeah, 34 what 34 yeah 34 years old and he's playing yeah. maybe his best year of his career it's insane the guy's playing out of his mind hitting big threes uh, clutch and then tyler hero um Honestly, if he would have been, if he would have started a little sooner, like he's been playing lately, he might have been up there for rookie of the year. The kid has been incredible. And I think he
2: still finished like third or fourth yeah. in voting.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, John Moran, I think still would have got it regardless because he's the better player. But Tyler Hero is Hero is playing out of his mind, hitting. He hits big shots and big moments. He's got he had nine assists in
2: game. in game two. Yeah, he's already, game he's one. already had sorry. a triple double in yeah. you know, in,
0: in this playoffs. So that, that alone is you know. So um, it, it, it is making. Me, I mean, I chose the Celtics, obviously, but it, this is. Going up 2-0 is hard to overcome in yeah, the in the conference finals, no matter what team you are, no matter who you are. But I do think this Celtics team is just far superior in talent. They just got to put it together as a collective unit, man, and hold on to leads because they've been blowing them out at moments, and then Miami just grits their way back into it and d- doesn't let go. And the Celtics need to figure out how to channel some of that. They need to borrow some of that energy and finish games because they've been the better team. The majority of the games, they've been the better team. They're just not finishing, similar to the Clippers were. So, it's a matter of finishing. But yeah, Jimmy Butler's been playing out of his mind. Probably his best year as a, as a, as a professional basketball player for sure.
3: All right, let's go to let's go to football. Um, next question is: uh, Will we see a more uh, loose Russell Wilson? Like, will we see him uh, like do those those runs that that we know Russell Wilson can? Will Pete will Pete uh, Carroll let him let him be Russell Wilson? And will this lead to his first MVP vote? Oh, Russ is definitely going to get MVP. (laughs) I can't
2: believe believe we're even sitting here having to to ask that question about Russell Wilson never having a single MVP vote to this point of his career. I think this is year nine. Um, In the last four years, he's been an elite quarterback, no questions asked.
0: No doubt.
2: No, I don't think Pete Carroll's going to take things and change them. He's 69 years old. This is his style. He's a run-first coach. He just loves that style of football. The good thing for him is that Russell Wilson is his Tim Duncan. He's going to do whatever his coach asks him whether he likes it or not. Uh, I heard Russ on a Dan Patrick show earlier this morning and Dan was asking him those same questions. And you can tell like Russ was not hiding about it. He he was very authentic about it that he would like to quote unquote cook. He wants to throw the ball more. Yeah. But what quarterback doesn't want to throw the ball more, especially a guy that great at throwing the ball,
0: especially with a D-threat like DK Yeah, Yeah.
2: So he wants to throw the ball more, but I think that Russ is bought in because he knows the results are there. When they run the ball and they and they they play good defense, they are in the playoffs. He's never missed the playoffs. Yeah. Russell Wilson has never missed the playoffs. So he's going to trust Pete Carroll. They won a Super Bowl. They've been to two Super Bowls together. So I think he trusts the process. Um, and to answer your, M- your MVP question, absolutely. The narrative is now there. Uh, I don't want to say he's getting a lifetime achievement award yet because he's only 31 years old. But he is, in a way, getting that. And it's not that it's not fair. It's absolutely fair. He needs to be getting MVP votes every single year because he's the second-best quarterback in the NFL, no questions asked, in my opinion, at this point. Aaron Rodgers is, is flirting with it, but I still think Russell overall is better at this time of his career. So, yes, he's going to get MVP votes, and if he continues to play the way he played in Week 1, the dude might win MVP straight up. And that's yeah. with Patrick Mahomes included. He might freaking win that MVP.
0: Yeah, and one of the reasons why I do see him as taking a chance at being the mvp and not let alone getting a vote i think there's a good chance he could win it because i have him in the Se- leading the seattle seahawks to the being the best team in the nfc and if we all know the nfc is absolutely loaded this year the rosters are from top to bottom for the t- the top 6 7 teams right I mean, they're all loaded rosters so the nfc is going to be very tough and i think if he can lead the seattle seahawks to uh, the the be- being the best team in the nfc that alone should give him uh a vote, for Christ's sake. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I do think he's. I think I actually do see the offense actually leading a little more into them throwing a little more this year, um, because of I think Pete Carroll's known, to, especially towards the end of the year goes, because we've seen, um, uh, who's their starting running back again? Um, Carson. 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 Yeah, Chris Carson. He tends to get banged up, right? I think they want to try to like kind of balance their offense a little more, play a little more, um, you know, balance attack, you know. So um, I think. We saw it, obviously, in the Atlanta game. He threw a little more, and he was balling out of his mind. But I think that had to do more with the game plan because Atlanta was going to put up points, and they throw the shit out of the ball too. So you're going to have to play catch-up with them. Um, but I do think he's going to throw a little more. I think they're going to be a little more leading leaning towards him you know, taking a little more reins of the offense this year. I, I do think that's going to happen. I think it kind of showed in week one. Um, so his number is going to be absolutely outrageous this year. Um, and I definitely I – mean, we all have Seattle and, and Kansas City in the Super Bowl. So – uh, I, I fully expect him to have an incredible, maybe maybe the best year of his career this season.
3: All right. Next question. We've seen, uh, you touched on it uh, with Jay Binkley earlier, and then you also touched on your on your monologue. We've seen the first two games of Joe Burr's career in the NFL. Have you guys liked what you've seen so far? Absolutely.
2: Uh, I cannot give this guy enough praise. I'm, I'm going to give... Uh, Joe Burrow every benefit of the doubt for this season, and probably next season as well, just because of the fact that Joe Burrow is not just a rookie. Joe Burrow is not just a first overall pick. Joe Burrow is coming into a organization that has been historically awful. Not just historically bad, historically awful. They've never won a Super Bowl. They've, I mean, they haven't been. They haven't been in the. I haven't won the, a playoff game since 1990.
0: I mean, Andy Dalton would always get them there. They'd always lose. Yeah, I mean, they're. I think they're one of the four teams left in They'd the NFL. They would always lose. They would always lose primetime games. Yeah, and so they got them. Yeah,
2: yeah, and so you're coming into a situation where no one's expecting much. I mean, as far as Joe Burrow as an individual, they're expecting him to play well, but he's coming into a situation like I said, where this this he's franchise is, is is all over the place. Yes, he has Joe Mixon. Yeah. AJ AJ Green looks busted. I'm sorry, guys. He looks washed. Um, you know, they, they Ross and those guys. Tyler Boyd. That, they're fine. They're fine like offensively, board, but yeah. their defense still has a lot of work to do. The point is, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but even with that benefit of the doubt, I think he balled out. He threw 61 He threw sixty-one passes in that game against the Browns and had over a 90 rating. No interceptions. To throw the ball 61 times against a better team on national television on a short week against a divisional rival in your second career game to play that well and that poise... I think this guy's got promise, man. I think he's. I think he could be a real problem in the AFC for years to come.
0: I'm not ready to go there yet. I mean, he threw 65 times. 61. 61 times and was just a little over 300 yards. If you throw that much, you should have damn near 400 plus. Second game
2: of his career on a I short get, week. Do, on a short week. But
0: there was a lot of short passes Against going a good on defense. The short, Browns defense is not terrible. Sh- they were terrible week one, but sure, yeah. I mean, that, I, Against I, the Ravens. I, yeah. Okay, I'm just saying. They have a of I, I get it. Top to bottom. They, Browns might have the best roster in the NFL top to bottom offensively and defensively. I get it. Um, I, I'm not ready to say Burrow's going to be a star yet. I think he has the intangibles. I want to see the tangibles. I want to see the, the 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 vanilla stuff. I want to see him, you know, consistently do that stuff. I know it's Cincinnati and it's hard to judge because he's not in a great spot to start his career, but he does have weapons. Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, and Joe Mixon. I think it's not a bad starting spot. It's just the, the new coaching reg- regime could could definitely help. Um, an offensive minded head coach is good for him. Um, I'm excited to see what he can become. He definitely looks sharp. He has what I like the most about him when I watched that game last night was you said his poise that too. But he's, he was aggressive. He was taking shots. He wasn't. He did not look timid in the slightest right. in the red zone. He looked aggressive. He's chucking the rock in double coverage in the red zone. He's taking chances, and you said A.J. Green. He didn't look the greatest. I get it, but he's still taking shots to his number one weapon. He's Still trusting his number one weapon. Is going out there and you know doing hurry up offense. You know week two of his career. You know that's that was my favorite thing about seeing from him. It was it was similar to how I felt about Patrick Mahomes. I'm not I'm not saying he's even anywhere near, but this the aggressiveness right. and looking like he was ready to be here. Was born to be here. And his story alone, coming from where he, the humble beginnings he has. You know, And then going and flourishing in one of the biggest f- football schools you can go to in LSU and, and being a champ, a true champ. I'm, I, hope he, I hope he can make Cincinnati the Cincinnati franchise competitive. That would be only good for the AFC. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely liked what I saw. I'm just not ready to go there yet because we saw Baker, um, you know, kind of have a great start to his career and then really, really flame out a little bit. And he's kind of trying to build that back. They're I'm, just I'm not, two completely yeah, different guys. He, he definitely looked like he was – more ready for the NFL than Baker I, was. I think Burrow was
2: the best quarterback on the field that night.
0: Yeah. I think Baker Mayfield did more. He, he did yeah. more. Well, I mean, because. I think be, he's the third best quarterback in the Let's be honest, North. that that Browns running game was just too good to, to let Baker chuck the rock. Yeah,
2: no, I get it. I mean, they're going to. Ste- 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 Stefanski is going to make J- Baker Mayfield the AFC's version of Kirk Cousins. I mean, how
0: fun would it be to see those two guys kind of become a little rivalry in their own? I would love to see the Browns and Bengals matchups be fun to watch. I'm
2: just saying, I think Burrow is already the third best quarterback in the AFC North. I think Baker Mayfield's the fourth. Yeah, I think okay. Joe it's
0: Brooks funny you be say better. that because you, 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 in your opening monologue you're talking about how I've been a Baker fan, which is very true. I've always been pushing for Baker. I've always believed in him. He's got talent. If, he, if he played shitty last night, I was going to give up on him. I was ready because he just he's let me down too many times. He's gonna times. be very protected. Last season, last season was a
2: bust. He's gonna be very protected. I think Baker could be a good quarterback in this league. I don't think he's ever gonna be a star, superstar type quarterback. Right. I, I just don't think he's I've kinda got let, that. I've kind of
0: let go, go of that. I've kind of yeah. let go of that idea that Baker's gonna be a star. I don't think he's gonna be a star. I think he's gonna be. He'll be fun. I'm sure he'll, he'll be fun. Yeah, he's he's a fun interview. He's got his commercials, which is cool. Um, he's a marketable guy. Very marketable. Um, yeah, I think he's more of a personality than he is a talent. That's kind of where I'm at. But I don't I, I mean I just I I still like him as yeah. a player, I think, but I I think he's going to be more of a system. He's going to he's going to need to find a system for him to fully succeed. And if he's not surrounded by the talent he has like consistent like he has right now, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to like, you know, make his team better because of him. I think it's the other way around for him. But I still like Baker. But yeah, Burrow was definitely the better quarterback statistically and eye test wise last night, for sure.
3: All right we're talking about quarterbacks and 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 I, I want to keep keep that conversation. Um in week 1, we saw a Packers Viking game and and where we we got a sneak peek at uh pissed off Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Mm. Well, that pissed off Aaron Rodgers in that sneak peek, was that sneak peek enough to tell us that he might win MVP this year?
2: Yeah, I said I said before the season began, you guys know where I stood on this. I said yeah. months ago that I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have his best season since 2011, which is no coincidence. That was the last year he won the MVP when they went 15-1, and and I think he threw 45 touchdowns that season. Mm. He was masterful. One of the greatest seasons we've ever seen from a quarterback, and he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever live. He knows this is his last season season with the Packers he knows he's at peace he was on Kyle Brandt's podcast he's been on other shows you can just totally tell this guy's at peace knowing I gave this franchise everything I had I've won them a Super Bowl I'm one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time but it's time for me to go they want to go with Jordan Love cool so yes he's playing free last year Lafleur had him controlled they tried to run the ball a ton he kept changing the, the the play at the line of scrimmage uh, there was a lot of disarray because he didn't know what his future really held. They went and traded it up for Jordan Love. He then knew what his future held, which is he's going to be elsewhere. And I think that he's also interviewing for his next job. Uh, teams like the Rams uh, that have Jared Goff still under contract till this next season. If Jerry Goff shits the bed this year, maybe they'll try to trade out from that contract and bring in Aaron Rodgers and sell tickets and still playing great football. Really? Hope that uh, what about the 49ers? I, I don't think that Jimmy G is going to be there next season. I think that Kyle that's Ryan the spot in, I want him to go. Yeah, I think she, and, and it would make it be so His poetic. kid. It'd be so poetic because they passed yeah. up on and took Alex Smith, and he said they made a mistake. Yep. Comes back, then plays in San Francisco, balls out. The team you got to look out for, and it's no question about it, and it's going to be it's going to hit home here in Kansas City is the Denver Broncos they are 100% going to be in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. That is John Elway's way. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. He goes and gets veteran quarterbacks. I don't believe in Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke is going to fall on his face, and Let's it's going to pressure back. John Elway to go out there and get a superstar in Aaron Rodgers. But to answer your question, there is no question Aaron Rodgers is going to be an MVP candidate going go for the rest of the season because you've already seen it. Against a division rival yep. with no real offseason, as far as preseason and all those other things are considered to go out there and look like it's Week 11... And to go out there and ball out in Minnesota,
0: play with urgency.
2: Give give my boy Aaron Rodgers his credit. He deserves all of it. And I say my boy because he's no longer Trevor's. Trevor. 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 Stop, stop it! Stop oh, it! I, I oh, told I'm you. guys. <laughs> reverse psychology. It is reverse <laughs> psychology, baby. I'm it's, sorry. And it's working. And it's I
0: working. apologize. That is a confusing it's to It's working. Else. I had them missing the playoffs Jeez. just so I can because every single year. <laughs> I'm convincing I them, myself. Every single year I have them as the, my my team. Almost every year I have them in the playoffs, coming out of the NFC for like the last three or four years. I've had Aaron Rodgers making the making the. Going damn near to the Super Bowl every year. So this 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 year is the first year I think I've ever had. Trevor's Aaron trying Ro- to trick himself. I've never had Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs. <laughs> don't tell Trevor that. Trevor never have, him have himself. I ever forget Aaron Rodgers to go out of the playoffs. And this year I did, and it was, <laughs> and it was reverse psychology for myself because I felt i had been jinxing him this whole time, and it looked amazing. And I will say this too: I don't. I think the urgency he played with is what is what was what I what made me buy into the whole pissed off Aaron Rodgers because that right before the first half when he threw that that. Bomb to uh, Valdez Scantling right before the half. He didn't have to do that. They had the lead. They could have won. Right, He's flexing. That, but he, he last year he wasn't doing that shit. Right. And LaFleur wasn't having him do that. They would run the clock out and go to the half, play it safe, try to get the dub, get out of there. The fact that he got that ball and he chucked that dime to market uh, Mar- Val- Valdez Scantling for that deep was a forty-five yard touchdown, I believe. Unreal. That that's the Aaron Rodgers I love and I want to see. And, and it's a division rival. He always balls out against the Vikings, the Bears, the, the, the Lions. He always has good games most of the time against those. And that's a good defense over there in Minnesota. So he, he embarrassed that defense. I mean, I know they kind of crept back a little bit in the scoring. Uh, they scored a few points to kind of come back and make it a little closer game towards the end. But he had control of that game the entire time. He looks great. Um, yeah, I think my, my top three MVP guys this year, obviously Mahomes. I think Lamar should be counting there, obviously. But I think Mahomes, Rodgers and 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 russell wilson are my top three mvp candidates this year and no doubt he's going to get some votes because he's it be he, barring health because that's also a concern too you can't always count out the fact he's not going to get hurt because if he takes one good hit he is older and he's had a lot of injuries in his career barring health he's going to be fighting for the the number one spot for the mvp this year for sure all right and last question for you
3: guys last question for me uh why are all these LeBron fans upset because he didn't get MVP when he wasn't even the better player on his team?
2: Well, that's the funny thing about... <laughs> I'm going to disregard that last statement.
3: Oh, boy. Um,
2: the funny thing about the MVP is people are basing it incorrectly anymore. Uh, and they probably have been for a very long time, maybe even before it's I was been that way
0: for the last decade. It's
2: always when you hear people say, why did you give this player the MVP? Well, I think he was the best player this season. That is not what an MVP is. It's not about who had the most points per game. It's not about who was leading this league, the league in assists or stats, anything like that. It's not about that. Because if that was the case, James Harden should get every single MVP over the last four seasons. Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's not what it is. It's about value. What value do you bring to not only to your team, but to the league? Like What are you to the entire league? If you're going to sit here and try to tell me that anyone has been more valuable than LeBron James over the least decade to 12 years, you need to go get drug tested. And you probably should commit yourself to something because that's it, 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 just absurd. Giannis ha- statistically was an absolute superpowered, superhuman over the last couple of seasons and will continue to do that. But what's funny about that and why I can prove that's bullshit to base the MVP off of is look at Russell Westbrook. Averages a triple double in 2016, 20, or 2016 2017, mm-hmm. wins MVP. The very next season, guess what he does? Averages a triple double. Does he win MVP? No. 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 So what? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? That's what I'm talking about, guys. MJ. Every single year through the '90s was when he played. By the way, was the best player? Was the best player and the most valuable player in the league? He was. Michael Jordan. Carmelo was never more valuable than, than, than Michael Jordan, or Charles Barkley wasn't more valuable than Michael Jordan. That's absurd. Yeah. You saw it in the playoffs, just like we're seeing in the playoffs. Giannis is accepting his MVP in Athens, Greece. Well, LeBron James is in the Western Conference Finals. It, this is absurd, man. It's it just, it's ridiculous to, to even try to counteract this stuff anymore. I don't even know why I'm even sitting here breaking this down because I know it's going through one ear, not the other, of so many people because they base it off of who was the best that season. It's not about who was best, it's about who's more valuable.
0: Yeah, it's, it, the, the MVP has become the most dominant year, the most impressive year, the best year, I think, numbers wise, is obviously, I mean, look back at it. During the 3P, the Lakers. With Kobe and Shaq. How many how many MVP league MVPs did Shaq win? One. Right. So if we're being real, the most dominant player of that entire era, that 10-year span of Shaq's prime, there was nobody in the league more dominant than Shaq. Nobody. Averaging 36 and 14, he should have won it every year if that's what we're going to do it, the way we're doing it now because Giannis is putting up Shaq-like numbers in this era and, and he's winning. But Shaq, honestly, was obviously more dominant than Giannis is in, in one of the toughest eras. And he had it one time, right? There was a ten-year spammer. There was not even a question. It was the most dominant player in the league. It was Shaq. He only got it once. This is I mean, it's it's really coming down to because you, it, they used to base it off actual value, right? And uh, who was the runner-up for the MVP this year? Right, LeBron. I, I believe it was LeBron. Or was Davis. Was Anthony Davis? Oh, he was not even on. Uh, it, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, talk about the best player on the team. I think <laughs> everyone in the league and all the voters knew who the better team on the, player on the Lakers was. So it's not really a question there on that and that on that end. Um, so LeBron was right there I even believe Stephen A. Smith even came out and said he voted. He himself voted for LeBron James so uh, yeah I mean the, the MVP honestly I think it's losing it's value in a sense if I'm being honest as a true NBA fan I think it's losing it's value bro I want, I
2: want to add something to this real quick just because we're on the topic here it's funny to me. I, I was listening on the way here. Uh, I was listening to Odd Couple with Rob Parker and, yeah. and Chris Broussard. Love that show. It's super entertaining. Great but show. it was funny. They had a Boston writer, uh, a guy who has a vote for the MVP, who actually voted for LeBron James. And Rob Parker, wow. of course, of course, was just breaking him over the coals, right? Yeah. And the funny thing was that Rob Parker was giving all the reasons as to why Giannis should be the MVP, and he's sitting, he's sitting here breaking down all these things about how he, you know, the number one seed and he dominated and all this stuff. But I'm saying, it's funny how when LeBron was in the Eastern Conference, that was what they were holding against him as to why he wasn't winning the MVP. Well, of course, he's in the East. He's dominating the East. <laughs> that is exactly what Giannis is doing right now while LeBron yeah. is going to get to the finals out of the West and win the championship was out of the, the West. Yeah. Leading the, if you want to talk about stats, LeBron averaged 25 points a game while leading the league in assists in year 17 in the Western Conference. So what what are we doing here? Like Again, I keep bringing that up. How are we going
0: to sit here and give Giannis the credit for the things we discredited LeBron for? Well, if we're being honest, not in that Heat series. I mean, the one game that the Bucs won was without Giannis. Congrats, Eddie, you so, got me triggered. Congrats. So yeah, I mean, congrats to the MVP having his soul win triggered. without him on the team. Yes, yeah, uh, back they're six. doing their work right now. <laughs> right. So doing the Lord's work. Um, yeah, I, 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 there ironically, it is. ironically enough, the most valuable player award is losing its value. So <laughs> Yeah. Congrats to Giannis though, man, on a great year. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he won up his year from last year. Defensive player of the year in the MVP. I think you would rather have a chip, though. But I mean, you know what? I will say too, talking about LeBron being the runner-up. I mean, I think LeBron it will gladly take the Finals MVP. Which yeah, he will over can't. over the, the if he makes game. it. Yeah, if that's, he a, makes that's it, a cute. if, if. We'll just stay
2: tuned, if, if Eddie. He makes that's it. a
3: cute if, bro. If he, if he makes it,
2: you have a game uh, right in front of you.
3: If he makes it, <laughs> I'm just saying. next question. Was if that the last one? If he makes it, oh, okay.
2: We'll see. We'll see. He, but hey, Eddie, that was, that was a good Eddie hour, man. I, yeah. I appreciate all all your hard work and diligence out there in Haiti, man. It must be really difficult to. You know, not be distracted I out there. I don't. I don't
0: hate. I appreciate. <laughs> is he in Haiti or is he hating?
2: Ooh, that, he's I, hating in Haiti. Oh, okay.
0: Nah. I like it. I like it. I like yeah, it. You're welcome, Eddie. Nah.
2: I'll finish your sentence. Go ahead, Eddie.
0: It's just.
3: No. <laughs> it,
2: it, right. He's had one too many Coronas out there, like Binkley was saying. So we're gonna take a quick break because we have a Chiefs game to break down. Chiefs and Chargers this week. I want to get uh, Trevor and Eddie's thoughts on this uh, matchup and see how we see this game going down. Uh, obviously, we give our predictions every Sunday uh, before the game starts, our full slate of predictions and picks. But we want to give you guys an early little snippet of what we have and what we see going down in this game. and get we talk about the injury reports and all those things. So we'll break that down real quick, guys. So I hope you guys are ready for that. We'll get back to that after this. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Woodwell. Here inside the KCP and studios with my guys, Trevor Twoodwell. What's good? Mr. Yo-Yo Yo Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. And Miss Gat on the ones and twos, producing this thing, making this thing live and in action. What's going on tonight, Gat?
4: Oh, nothing. I'm just catching up the chat. People have been pretty active with their uh, Chiefs predictions. You guys are going into that segment. 3517 Kansas City from Ooh. Donnie Couch. Uh, and then we have from Brian Herbert. 4113 Chiefs. <laughs> And a lot of people greeting you with you guys tonight. So uh, a lot of good That's conversations. Weird. And uh... I don't
2: like it. I, all right. Is it a full
4: moon tonight? No, yeah, like well, it's it. a new moon. It,
2: well, maybe guys, it's like new, like a new leaf it, is turning over. A Libra, you know, like, yeah, so
4: this is balancing Oh, uh, yeah. We, we have <laughs> balance oh, You're welcome.
2: All right, our chakras. Is that what? Is that a thing? Is that, They're it's chakras. Our, chakras. our chakras, baby. They are lines. Well, there's gonna be no shocking to anybody this week because of the wow. fact that I think that the Chiefs are, without question, the best team in this matchup. Uh, There's no mystery to that. And as we talked talked in segment two with uh, our guy Bink, uh, the Chiefs have absolutely owned this matchup over the last several years. Uh, I've won 11 of the last 12. And if we're going to – I was actually at that last loss back in 2018 – Against the Chargers, that 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 I hate to, I hate to be this guy. No
0: call, push off. That was bullshit. Yes,
2: the, the officials absolutely job that game. Yep. I, I, the Chiefs should have played better, no question, especially on the defensive side. Yep. Uh, Sk- Skandrick, as as most you guys can imagine, was absolutely ass in that game. Uh, but it, it was just a very frustrating night. It was a beautiful night in Kansas City. It was yep. a Thursday night game. Uh, just a crazy, like um, a small, like it was like it was like London, you know, in the fall. It was just beautiful out there, and it just had a great vibes. But it was a very disappointing loss. But since then, and even before then, the Chiefs have been absolutely hammering uh, the Chargers away. I will say though one thing about the Chargers: of all the teams in the division, they are the ones that have played the Chiefs the most uptight, if you will, as far as um, victory margins, things of that nature. The Chiefs have only been beating by seven to ten points on a normal basis. Having said that. I'm just going to come out and say it. I I don't expect this game to be very close. And and I looked at the injury reports. Uh, We all know that Derwin James is out for the year. Mike Pouncey's out for the year. Humongous losses for this Chargers team. But even before those losses occurred, I was never somebody that believed in the Chargers this season. Because a quarterback, although Terod Taylor is a a good quarterback as far as the NFL rankings are concerned, he's had a decent NFL career. More times than not, we've seen Terod Taylor fail than succeed. Uh, You can blame his situations. The point is, is that he doesn't have that skill set in him that I think elevates a team. And quite frankly, he's, he's a fill-in gap right now for their for their up-and-coming uh, quarterback that they just drafted in this last year, and Justin Herbert. So there there's just, I think, a lot of middling with this team. I don't think they really know what they are and who they are. Uh, Anthony Lynn's a good coach, not a great coach. And I think that this might actually be his last season uh, in L.A., with everything going on around, I, I just I don't see the Chargers being able to counter what the Chiefs can attack them with in so many different ways on the offensive side, and on the defensive side for the Chiefs, I think this is the type of matchup where they could really flex their muscle, uh, especially with Mike Pouncey being out in the center of their offensive line. I can see Chris Jones and Frank Clark actually having an absolute heyday mm. now. They will be missing Colin Sanders, which is, is a good player. He's not a, he's not a great player. He's a good player for the Chiefs. And and they, and I do believe no, that'll be next week. Mike Pinnell will be back he's for back. the Chiefs against yep. the Ravens. So, so they'll be they'll be hurting uh, up front. But like again, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, I think, are really going to fill that need. I do expect the Chiefs to be playing Tyron Matthew a lot up front. I think he's going to be stacking the box a lot because as our guy uh, Binkley talked about, this Chargers team knows the only way to even have a shot against Patrick Mahomes this week. Is to keep him off the field, so they're going to run the ball. And here's the thing: if the Chargers are great at one thing, it's at running back. Austin Eckler is one of the most underrated players in this league. And a super effective player, yep. he can rack it up with the best. He's a fantasy fantasy football fantasy, if you great will, like passing the, game. absolutely great catcher out of the backfield. Incredible between the gaps. He is the only hope this Chargers team has at even keeping this game close. Unfortunately for the Chargers, I, I just I can't imagine it's going to be all that close. So, in our comment thread with our guys, I, I'm going to have to agree with them. I don't think this game's going to be all that close. But starting with you, Trevor, how do you see this game playing out? You don't have to give us scores yet. We'll, we'll keep that till Sunday like we always do. But just just give us a little snippet of what you see this game and how you see this game going.
0: I do think it's going to be close. Um, but I do think for the majority of the game, first three quarters, I think it's going to be close um, because we've seen it. Um, all of, all of Mahomes' worst I and mean, career-low games have come, come against the Chargers. Uh, with or without Derwin James, the Chargers just know how to play the Chiefs defensively. But I will say, like last year, even last year we had a good game with them. Our games with them were both good games. Close, tight-knit games. Um, outside of the week one. We played the week one right, we kind of blew them out of the water for the most part. 38-28. That was on Sherman down the sideline. Got that. Yeah. 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 Um, outside of, I mean, we could start fast like that. But I do think, I, I just think... The reason I think is going to be close. I'll just say it. the main thing I'm worried about from our end, our defensive, and I think obviously our defensive front is going to get after Terod Taylor. Um, but our corners is kind of worrisome with with you know Ward being out, um, and you know uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, two legitimate receivers. One guy is a towering six foot seven, you know, get up and get it uh, type of guy. Then he got one of the best route runners in Keenan Allen. Um, out there running against you know two inexperienced you know Rashad Fenton and uh, um, Sneed, so depending on how good those guys play, if they continue their performance from last week, you know looking good, especially Snead, if he can step up and you know uh, play Keenan Allen and, and, and you know hold down his side of the field, but that's that's a, that's a, a tough ask because Keenan Allen is one of the toughest guys and always leads the league. He's right up there in leagues of the league, uh, leading the league in separation. He's a great route runner, so that's gonna be a tough ask for him to cover. Um, and if Tyra if Tyra Taylor can extend plays and he can find those guys downfield, they could they could can be competitive. I don't see any chance of the Chargers winning, but I can see them def- definitely keeping it close just because of the track record of them keeping it close historically with Mahomes. All his career lows are against the Chargers, so I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt, even though they are missing pieces already. Um, and, and Austin Eckler absolutely is in the mix for being a deadly weapon. He always eats against us. Um, and even Melvin Gord ate against us every time we play them. He'd play well. So um, the fact that this is a division rival, we both know each other really well, we play each other really well every single time, with, with, whether it's Mahomes or Alex Smith, we always have good games and tight, tight games against them. I do see us winning. I think we should pull away and win by double digits, but I think the majority of the game is going to be kind of one of those, like, you're never fully comfortable until, like, the last, you know, 10 minutes of the game where we kind of, I think we're just going to pull away in the last 10 minutes. I think our last, we're just going to figure it out. And I definitely think Clyde is going to get more involved in the passing game in this game um, so I, I definitely see us pulling away towards the end winning by double digits but I think it'll be competitive the majority of it for sure
3: Wait, man I'm just gonna keep this short and sweet uh, <laughs> I know you're, you' you talked about how our corners are our biggest like could be our biggest issues in this game going into this game but mm. for me it's no concern uh, we saw Sneed what he can do uh, week one. Obviously, hopefully he can he can keep that up, you know, maintain that level.
0: He wasn't playing uh, Keenan Allen. I'll just say that. Yeah, it's, no, I, 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 this is get a I get it. No, I get it. No,
3: I get it. I get it. But but at the same time, you're facing a quarterback who like you're not going to sit here and tell me he's a great quarterback. No. And they face a great all the, quarterback. In all, the, all the all the Chiefs front seven have to do is put that pressure on Tyrod Taylor, and you would not you would not have to have that issue. You know, yeah. he he's not an accurate pat. Like he's not as to what I saw Week One against. Uh, the Bengals, it was just. There's no way yeah. the the, the Chargers can win more than five. They're going to want to beat us by time of possession. Yes, so I think they're going to. I think they're going to run the ball because I think they can run the ball against our defense because as we saw in Week yeah, One, I was pretty pissed because they were like they're just running through us. Yeah, they're just fuck. They're just running now through it's us. Johnson. Now we're going exactly. to Austin Eckler. Yep. Yeah. So. That's my biggest concern is the run game. Are we going to be able to, to to stop that run game? Are we able to contain that stop uh, that run game to where we we have, uh, we have don't have Patrick Mahomes sitting out the uh, majority of the game, right. you know what I mean? Right. So that's going to be my biggest Time concern. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be my biggest concern. I'm not concerned about uh, Tyler Taylor making those clutch passes because I don't think he can even make them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, other than that, like, I, I – I, I think it's gonna be an easy game for the Chiefs. I, I I see Patrick Mahomes going out there and just balling. Uh, I don't think that the Chargers this season have a team to compete. Yeah. I I honestly don't. And as to what I saw Week One going into Week Two, the two teams just it's just does they just don't match up. You see you you see it get, uh, being close, Trevor. But uh, that's just going off of previous games yeah. with Phillip Rivers. With you know so uh, not that many injuries. Uh, not super key injuries like uh, they're facing right now. I just don't see this game being any, any anywhere close through, throughout the week. I, I mean, I,
2: I get I get that the week one games, a lot of teams are getting a pass because, oh, you know, this is such an unprecedented season. Exactly,
0: preseason. Teams
2: are rusty and all this. I, I get all that. But there's a reason why I started this show tonight by addressing the differences between the Chiefs and, uh, and every other team, exactly. even including the greats like the Ravens. It's because of these very things, and I think that that's going to be shown again this week. I think that you're going to see the dramatic differences in talent and preparedness between these two teams. Yeah. I don't think the Chargers, even even if they were completely focused, have enough dogs and enough Jimmys and Joes to be able to put it out there. This is why I don't believe in the Patriots, because it's, although they'll X and O the shit out of you, they don't have the guys. They don't have the manpower. Exactly.
3: And we don't even know if Bosa's going to be 100% Right, he has an arm injury. Exactly.
2: And Still so got Melvin Ingram.
0: They have
3: good players have good spots. Yeah. But you're missing big pieces. You're not just missing your your
0: right. second string. And, and you're talking you're,
3: about a
2: team that damn near gave a victory to a Bengals team that, that had just, even less preparedness. That had and, no and, business and, even
3: being close. Yeah,
2: you have a young coach, young quarterback, young roster with a busted wide yeah. receiver, a defense that was trying in every way, shape, or form giving you the game, and you scored 16 points.
0: Well, I was going to ask you guys too when we were talking about the last week's game because last week's game, even Binkley said they, looked, they our offense looked crisp. That's a good way to look at it, but what I saw for the most part is this: Patrick Mahomes just looked. He looked like a, it looked like a veteran out there already. He was taking what the defense he what he is now. Well, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's accomplished more than most vets. Um, he was taking what the defense was giving him. Obviously, the Texans were were hell bent on taking the over the top plays away. So that's why we ate so much in the running we're, game. Exactly. Do you think? Do you think that's going to be a trend for the rest of this this season? You think the Chiefs are just going to, you know, because you have to kind of pick and choose as a defense. Very few, if any, defense can 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 balance, have a balanced attack defensively against this chief offense. Usually you have to pick if you want to take the deep ball away, limit Tyreek Hill, let him beat you maybe possibly underneath, and let the Chiefs try to beat you with the running game or the dink and dunk type of offense. Or do you want to stuff the run if, if, if CEH starts going off and having a career or a breakout year and you can't let them run over you like that because then they'll d- dominate the time of possession. So you kind of have to pick your poison against this offense. Do you think that's kind of what the Chiefs are going to yeah. do? They're going to have one week where Pac just absolutely balls out over the top and has 500 passing yards and five touchdowns, and then you'll have a, a week like, he saw, like like a moderate game like he did against the Texans.
2: It's gonna be There's going to be, I think, a, a mixed bag of both because of the matchups. Because here's the thing. I think there's going to be teams that are going to come at the Chiefs and hope that they can yeah. come in and say, Hey, look, we're going to force them to run the ball tonight. And yeah. they just they can't stop Patrick. Yeah, there's going to be games like that where the teams are going to come out all week long strategizing. Okay, we're
0: shutting down Clyde this week, right. and Clyde goes for 150 and two touchdowns.
2: That's what's going to happen. Because there's,
0: there's few defenses that are loaded enough on both right. you know, the defensive front and their corners. I think San Fran was one of the few teams, which is why they were in the Super Bowl last yeah. year. That could now that could cap the Chiefs' uh, totality wise. So, so let me let me out, let me, so let, me let, let, let me point out
2: two particular or three particular matchups this week in particular. If I'm going to make a prediction, yeah. I expect the Chargers to stay true to form and how they play Patrick with a cover two zone. Right. Basically making him and forcing him to beat them underneath. Right. So I expect them to play at so soft expect zone. Kelsey to have
0: a big game. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, well that's the problem though. They usually have a man coverage right. on him and which yep. with Derwin James. Right. He's gone. gone. So yeah. the opening, yes, the lever is going to be open for, I think, Travis Kelsey. Don't be shocked if he has a seven yeah. seven yeah. reception, Unexpected ninety-five, a and game. a touch yeah. in this game. I could very well see that happening. But I do expect Clyde to have another big game I think he's going to get some I think he's going to catch some passes too Yes. the passing game for Clyde this week is going to open up Uh, the second matchup to add to your question the next big game is a week from this this next game which would be the Ravens I expect the Ravens to take these first two games because John Harbaugh is such a damn good cerebral head coach he's going to say okay we know we are not going to be able to beat this Chiefs team behind so what are we going to do we're going to attack him by rushing the ball quick and often with this offense, with their offense, and they're going to make sure that the Chiefs do not control the time of possession. Mm-hmm. How do the Chiefs control the time of possession? By running the football. Now they have that horse in right. the stable to do so. So what are they going to do? They're going to stack the box and play one-on-one coverages against Patrick Mahomes and these weapons. Is it going to work? No. No. But that's the attack they're going to do. Now for the Bills, mm-hmm. I think once the Bills see how the Ravens played and how it didn't work and how Patrick Mahomes goes and obliterates the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore this in a week from now, you're going to see the Bills try to replicate what the Chargers did because unlike other teams... The Bills have those horses. Yes. They have the ability on the defensive side. I think they finished 4th in defense last year. Yeah. That defense is just as good as they and were Tremendous last White season. White might be the
0: best corner in the league. Yes! Well.
2: Yeah. They, are, they are unbelievably talented on defense, and McDermott is a defensive-minded coach. Yeah. So I think the Bills are going to try to go back to that cover, two and attack the Chiefs. So again... To answer your question as honestly as I can, I expected them to see a mixed bag where teams are going to try yeah. to attack them in different ways. It's not going to be consistent on a week-and-week well, that's, basis. That's, that's
0: what birthed my question is because now we have a true workhorse running back who can make Changes the, everything. Who, who yeah. can make – who's changes better everything. than – I think is better talent than Kareem Hunt was. You know, it can make the first guy miss. He's a true workhorse guy. We can give him the ball 30 times a game. Um, I think that's what changes. I think that's going to allow this offense to take what the defense gives them. Absolutely. And that's, and that's scary for defenses because usually – Mahomes would have to go out there and play hero ball a lot of times because we would have to, you know, shoot out with teams, or we would have to just, uh, uh, you know, extend the running game through the air with dink dunks with Damien Williams because he wasn't a true workhorse, workhorse running back because he would get banged up because yeah. he's not built that way. Now we have a true workhorse, Never, workhorse running back. Do you remember when we had Brandon Kylie on the show uh, yeah.
2: last year? I was, and, I was and, sick that. And, night, and what, but, yeah. we, we talked about this though on the show about yeah. how he Brandon Brandon Kylie was making a great point back then in the current structure of the Chiefs. They run the ball in the, through the air. Yeah. The Chiefs don't have to worry about that. So that's, to your point, yeah. it's, they'll take whatever... Like, they're almost welcoming the defense to give... But Andy Reid's going to utilize the first quarters in every single one of the games this year. Yeah. Okay, what are they letting us do? And that's, Okay, cool, we'll take
0: that. And that's what reminds me of the, kind of the Patriots way because that's what Bill Belichick would always do with Tom Brady. If Tom Brady, if he knew he could beat these guys over the top, Tom Brady would see Tom Brady taking more deep shots. And to, just to be in a, a team that can be in that position... To, be, to beat any team in either way they want, depending on what you're showing them, and the fact that Mahomes is maturing and being able to read defenses better, he's going to be able to do that. I think we're going to win and more that, officially this year, more than ever. And that
2: tells you that each and every week, the Chiefs are going to have control. Yeah, That's the point, is that if you can counteract any attack that is given to you or presented to you from your opponent opposing defense, yeah. that means you're in control of each and every one of your matchups. So, again... To just reemphasize on this week, I don't want to overlook the Chargers because if you want to actually break it down, I don't usually like to call division games trap games, but you could make the narrative almost because the Ravens and the Bills are coming up directly afterward. Mm. So you almost have to look at it that way, and the Chiefs have to almost look at it that way. I'm fully anticipating... Get out of this game healthy. Man. Yes, yeah, the yeah. Andy Reid is going to get this team prepared to take on a Chargers team. Again, of all the divisional foes... Plays them the toughest. They they have had some pretty sweat-out games against this team. And uh, I don't expect that this week. I'll give you guys my my actual score prediction
0: yeah.
2: uh, on Sunday before the game begins, like we always do each and every week. But I, I don't think this is going to be one of those games where the Chiefs are going to have to sweat this out. I think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a similar feeling to the Texans game. And that was against an elite quarterback, by the way. Yep. I think there's going to be a, a very enjoyable vibe that we're going to be getting from this one. And I, I think you guys would agree.
0: Is that, is that how you guys oh, think? Yeah. I'm sure you said it's going to be a closer game. I think it's going to be But are you to going like... to be worried at any point that no. they can slip this one out? No, no, no. Yeah. Like, cause to my point of my question, I think we're going to beat whatever – beat them either way, whatever, whatever scheme they're showing us defensively, I think we're going to pick it apart. If it's – whether it's over, over the top, whether it's across the middle, whether if it's, you know, quick slants or just purely running the ball down their throat. I just – it's just it's nice to be able to have a workhorse running back now in this offense. It's crazy that, how the missing just one piece.
3: player can change that whole yeah you know that whole thing. This is
2: why I brought that up with with Jay with Bika I, yep. I was like, you remember how the, this offense looked with Kareem Hunt? It was yeah. simply unstoppable. In fact, I would say it was probably the best offense we have ever seen in NFL history. They were yeah. averaging over thirty seven a game. They dropped to thirty three a game without Kareem, yeah. which is still great. Led the league. Right point though is now that they have Clyde, who I think is going to be better than Kareem Hunt in this mm-hmm. offense and more versatile. This offense might be better than the 2018 offense. Right, at, the, at seasons in, well, we might more, be looking more at a better...
0: maybe not as much points, but more efficient. Yes, absolutely. We're
2: going to be cause They knew they had to score like that with that defense this year. Right. this is going to yeah. 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 be a top ten defense. I'm actually going to side with Trevor on this. I think this is going to be a top ten defense this league. Ooh. They're not going to have to score 38 a games. Well, once, and win I, once, games. We,
0: once we get our linebackers, our only weak point is our linebackers. That's, Time of possession is going to be game game key. That's our linebackers. once I think once Gay gets in there and he gets a you know. In the mix of the system and his athleticism is out there. We just gotta we gotta tighten up our linebackers, keep them on their toes, and once we get that fixed, man, I, this is gonna be a tough defense to beat. Especially Spags, I think in the second year in the system, I'm expecting big things as the year goes on. Well, that's what you guys. That's where we're gonna leave it. I would
2: love for here to hear your guys' uh, thoughts and opinions on the comment threads, or just hit us up on the group or on Twitter, whatever you guys got for us. We're here for it, so definitely hit us up for that, guys. We're gonna take a quick break because we actually need to get to you guys. The Monday mailbag is next, and I cannot wait to hear what's going on on that. I've not looked. I, I never look every single week. I just pop that out there and see what you guys got for me. I cannot wait to hear what you guys have. We'll get back to that after this.
4: Time.
2: Mail time. Mail, time. The mail's Mail here. time. I can't believe I get to sing this song. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we like to do each and every single week is present to you guys an opportunity, I think a lifetime opportunity, if we're being honest here. True. Where you get to basically take over the entire show of the Spoken Podcast every week. We give you guys the platform to give us what you're thinking, what your questions are, debates, topics, discussions. Whatever you got for us in the world of sports, we're here to answer those questions as honestly and as efficiently as we possibly can. So, Eddie, what is in the Monday mailbag this All week? All
3: right, man. First question comes from uh, Shaggy Shane, uh, and his question is: um, I was surprised that Miko didn't see much action this game uh, against Houston. With the Marcus Robinson's two drop TDs and last Thursday's game, do you feel that that could hurt his chances of being involved in offensive plays as the season continues? Mm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I, I feel like I've already spoken on this a couple times, but to answer Shaggy's question as honestly as I can, I'm a very big McColl Hardman fan in a lot of ways, more than Demarcus Robinson. Not that Demarcus Robinson's is some terrible player. I don't want to come across as I think he's just some scrub that needs to be taken off the team. It's not like that. For me, I want guys who are sure-handed. Bing talked about this in his segment about why guys like Junior Hemingway made this roster years ago. It wasn't because Drew Hermione was some great receiver. He, was, he wasn't good at all. No. But he could catch everything that came his way. And if you're catching passes, you're, you should get more opportunity. And McCall Hartman not only catches passes, he catches touchdown passes. Touchdown passes he often creates on his own. It's not like he's catching them in the end zone. A lot of times McCall Hartman's running for 40, 50 yards in the majority of his rookie touchdowns last season. He was catching a touchdown pass last season every six receptions. And and no offense to Demarcus Robinson, but we're in a cutthroat business when it comes to football, when it comes to sports in particular, pro sports. And to me, McCole Hardman offers more to Patrick Mahomes and to this offense than Demarcus Robinson. I understand that Patrick Mahomes trusts Demarcus. I get that. They've been together now for three seasons. Four seasons if you want to count Mahomes' rookie year. we didn't play all but one game. The point remains is that when it comes to sure-handedness, when it comes to tight games, I want McCole Hardman getting those reps and those targets and those snaps more than Demarcus Robinson just because of the fact I trust his hands more and I think he's a better he's a much better playmaker in my eyes.
0: Playmaker, I think he's a better playmaker if you get just just get the ball in his hands and get him in space and he can make things happen more than D Rob could. But I think D Rob's the better receiver still. Um, I, I know the question is, do I think it's gonna hurt him down the stretch? And you know, getting snaps. I don't. I think he's set in, locked in as the number three receiver on this team. Um, and I think he's the, the packages. He just fits that, that the packages that they run more, uh, especially when they go empty. I think he's more uh, just the better route runner at this point in their career. Still, um, I think, like you said, the trust is there, regardless of him dropping. Well, we've also seen him have great games. We've also seen him have big games where he doesn't drop anything and he makes absolutely incredible catches. Um, so. I think I, st- I think he's the guy still in that position. I think McColl might progress as the year goes on, and I hope so because I think McColl is the better athlete and the better raw talent. I don't think he's the better route runner or the best technically sound receiver yet, but I think he will get there. And once he gets there, D Rob's out um, because he's obviously and plus the special teams aspect of it for McColl. I think he's our true punt and kick returner. Obviously, you know that's without a doubt. So I think him that those are his that's his biggest responsibility is being that. Um, so, yeah, I just I don't I don't think it affects D. Rob at all. Moving on to the season, unless it gets absolutely ridiculously, you know, no pun intended, out of hand. Um, so, uh, I think he's still solidified in that spot. Uh, moving forward is for the foreseeable future.
3: All right. Next question comes from Ever Ernesto Fierro. Uh, Willie versus Covington predictions for this week for this weekend.
2: Man, I really want Woodley to win this fight, yeah. um, mostly I, because I like Woodley. I've always been a fan of his, but I just cannot stand Covington's dumbass. Yeah, uh, just his his whole shtick that he plays intentionally to garner him attention that I don't think he deserves. Um, however, I think Covington is the better fighter at this time. I think Woodley is way far beyond his prime. He's been getting kicked around lately. I, I want to believe Woodley can can catch Covington. I just think that Covington's going to win. Fight by decision or by TKO in this fight, so yeah. I'm I'm gonna reluctantly have to take Covington in this one.
0: Yeah, um, Covington obviously at this point in their careers is the better fighter. He's got his his endurance and his stamina is obviously far superior to, than Woodley is at this point. I would love to see Woodley go in there and knock him out because that's the only way he's gonna he's only that's the only way he's gonna beat Covington. I can, absolutely cannot stand Covington uh, and the story with the guy you know with their stare down with one guy wearing the Black Lives Matter stuff. And then one guy, you know, being Mr. Maga himself. It's just it's kind of a funny story within the story there. Um, it, I don't know. I just, I would love to see Woodley. I just don't think Woodley's a better fighter at this point. Um, he was losing to amateur guys not too long ago, trying to make his comeback. This is his comeback fight. If there was ever going to be a guy I would like to see him beat as a comeback uh, fight, it would be Covington because I, I, I can't stand him at all. Um, I'll say this. I think if the fight goes the distance, Covington wins. But if if the if somebody knocks somebody out, it's going to be Woodley knocking Covington out. But Covington does have a chin, even though Usan absolutely destroyed him last fight. Usman, I mean, absolutely destroyed him last fight. I, I there's some hope, but Usman is in the prime of his career still. Um, so that's a different story there. But like I said, if it goes a distance, I think Covington's going to win. But Woodley wins by knockout if anybody's going to knock anybody out. I'm hoping Woodley knocks him out.
3: All right. Next question comes from Stephen York. Uh, after Week One, can you say that Tom Brady is a one-trick pony and doesn't do well at a new team, and the goat status should be taken away from him?
2: I don't know what what what, what a one-trick pony would mean in the, in the context of Tom Brady. Um, I will say he's extremely limited, and he's always been an, a limited athlete. So is
0: he, Mister Limited?
2: Mister, 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 Mister Limited. Limited. <laughs> what do you want to go to if you need a wheelchair? Limited. <laughs> what do you need if you need fiber? Limited. No, what, do you I, you,
0: what do you need if you need to pick up a, a quick five yards? Limited. limited. Who do you need
2: if you need to throw, throw a pick six for four straight games? Yeah.
0: <laughs> limited. Oh, Look, man.
2: yes, he's extremely limited He's always been limited as an athlete. Now he's extremely
3: limited as a quarterback as a whole.
2: the The second part of that question uh, that Stephen York asked was, uh, "What was it? what was the second part of it?"
3: Uh, and the GOAT status should be taken away from him.
2: He's never been the GOAT in my eyes, so I, yeah, you, you're going to get that agreement from me. Um, for Tom Brady to be in the GOAT conversation, it's only because of his success, not because of his individuality. Because no one can look me in the eye, straight face, that's outside of Boston, that's a dedicated Patriots fan, that can look me in the eye and tell me right now that he is the best quarterback you've ever seen play football. That's absurd. He's not even the third best quarterback of his own generation. What happened with Tom Brady and the reason why he got GOAT status is because he happened to fall into the perfect situation, being with the New England Patriots with Bill Belichick in the easiest division every single year in a time when the AFC, although had juggernauts at quarterback most times didn't have great teams as a whole throughout the entire conference, and they capitalized on that. And more times than not, Tom Brady was bailed out by his kickers and defense in each and every Super Bowl that he actually won. And the ones he lost, he did play pretty damn well. But they came against teams that were just simply better than them, and it showed. And a lot of times he faced quarterbacks that were better than him as well. So that's where I stand on the Tom Brady GOAT status. He's the most successful quarterback and player that's ever played this game. There is no debating that. He is the Bill Russell of the NFL. But Bill Russell is not the greatest player of all time in NBA, just like Tom Brady is not the greatest player in NFL history either.
0: Yeah, I think he's the Robert Orr. And no, I was kidding. Uh, uh. <laughs> Big Shot Brady. Yeah, Big Shot Brady. Huh.
2: <laughs> Speaking of that, name me the time he was riding all, the
0: coattails. Where's
2: all the great moments in in Super Bowl history for Tom Brady? I'm just saying. Show show me those great moments. I think he's more Robert Orr what, than he is. When Adam Vinatieri was kicking field goals to win them the games, or when James White, you know, scoring a touchdown at the end, or I don't know when Malcolm Butler's getting a pick, you know, pick in the end zone against yeah.
0: the Seahawks. Are those all great and Brady moments? No, they're I, not. Yeah, outside of the Atlanta game, it was probably maybe his he best. He threw 500 football. yards, sure. That but James White
2: scored the game when he, when he came
0: play. back. Yeah, but that was that was a, probably that's up there with his greatest. That was more of the Falcons. That was, than the was a Patriots. blunder, no doubt. Yeah. Um. I don't even know what to answer to this question. You pretty much covered it. Uh, he didn't look great in that game. I think he will have some really good games this season because that's too good of an offense and too many weapons not to have good games. I think he's going to have some really big games this year. Um, Gronk looked absolutely terrible out there, so I don't, I'm not expecting much from Gronk. I know Binkley was saying Gronk is going to eventually come around. I didn't see anything promising. He looked like a stiff out there. Well, like um, he was running with a piano on his and O.J. Howard, And O.J. Howard is by far the better talent on the tight end spectrum there. It's not even close. So I think O.J. is going to have the better season by far between the tight ends there. Um, goat status, I think he deserves goat status just because of his success, and, and he has had really good games and great seasons um, he's never been my GOAT. I don't think he's even third as far as great quarterbacks go, um, talent-wise, as the, as the as dissecting the position. So he's already accomplished more than any quarterback in history. So the GOAT's had his thing should be questioned off of one bad game against a great team in Week 1. And that's a great team he went against, maybe the toughest team he'll face all year. So I'm not I'll reading three. Read, I mean, I'm the guy in this room that has them missing the playoffs. So I, this is not a shocker to me.
3: All right. Next question comes from Donnie Couch. Hey, guys. Hope you had a great week. Uh, What are your thoughts about the Chiefs offensive line uh, looking much, much uh, improved at the the offseason? And can this be sustainable?
2: Oh, it absolutely can be sustainable. We touched on that last week. And it's because of a simile. Yep. When LDT decided to drop out, I was very concerned. Um, I wanted them to go get Warford. Um, Which, by the way, is, is Warford still a free agent? I have no idea. That's a weird situation. He, he, he's better than Osimale, but Osimale was a guy that. I know we talked about is. this last week. Yeah. We talked. <laughs> and his brother. Uh, we, talk, we talked about Osimile being a. Uh, when healthy, one of the best guards in the NFL. And I it's was still yep. Um Yes, it is sustainable. And I also love the camaraderie that this offensive line has, has, has gotten so quickly. There's a story that came out about uh, the first half of this week one matchup against the Texans when there was 30 seconds left. And uh, Eric Fisher looked at O'Simile and said, hey, watch this. And Patrick Mahomes in 30 seconds got them to the field goal range and got them that field goal at the end mm. of the first half. It, there, there's, I love that there's like this legend already. And Osimele learned that so quickly. And so cool because Ossimile 31 years old. He's a veteran. And he's like... Walking into this young aspiring team, you know that's already won a Super Bowl, but it's still just as hungry. And this offensive line is yeah. playing at a, at a high level, high, higher level than most people imagined. And we talked about this going into the season about how they have to view Patrick Mahomes as what—not just a great player, but as an investment. Absolutely. And so I think with Osweiler and Ryder and these guys yep. coming in and making things right. Yeah. This offensive line is absolutely shored up, and I I feel more confident about this offensive line than I have over the last two years.
0: Yeah, it's definitely becoming a cohesive unit. Uh, Austin Ryder definitely looked good. The simile was absolutely pancaking dudes. I mean, it was unreal. I mean, if he can continue that, in our running game is just gonna. It doesn't matter the matchup if he can do that. Outside of maybe having a defend to to block Aaron Donald or Calais Campbell coming up. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. I mean, he's an aged guy though. He doesn't. He's lost some steps, but. Uh, it's still I, uh, a wall with cleats. Sure, yeah. sure. Al, is just a monster of a man. If he can pan- pancake dudes, uh, uh, Clyde is going to eat this year if he has that guy leading the way, um, barring health. Uh, I, I, I love the depth of this of our positions too. I mean, I know we lost LDT, which was a loss. But, I mean, if, if anything, if, if week one is a microcosm of what the rest this year is going to be, Color me stoked, man. I, yeah. I'm ready for this. Patrick's going to be out there fun. doing his
2: taxes in the backfield. <laughs> be so protected. Yeah. Continuity is the, is the key <laughs> here. be have... out there with Eddie and Haiti having
3: a margarita or
0: two <laughs> oh, yes. behind that
3: offensive line. Yeah, for sure. By halftime. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question, Donnie Couch. What are the best week one or reactions that you guys have seen in sports media? Oh, I mean, I think the, the cake goes to, obviously,
2: Tom Brady playing a horrific game, yeah. which everyone – well, hilariously, like a lot of the national media is trying to come to his defense about that Mike Evans interception. That was a terrible pass. I don't care if Mike Evans ran the wrong route or not. It was a bad pass. He sailed it, went right to the safety. I don't know else. Even if Mike Mike Evans would have ran the perfect route, that would still would have went right to that safety. It would have been a contested pass, but it still would have been an interception. Um, and then the Dallas Cowboys, how horrible their offense looked with all the talent out there and a new coaching staff, or at least a new head coach, but it was still... It looked like Jason Garrett. If you would have told me, if I would have woke up from not seeing anything happen in the offseason and then seeing that game, I wake up and watch that game, I would have thought Jason Garrett was still their head coach, the way that offense played. Um, not to mention, the norm, uh, Leighton Van Esch and Sean Lee are going to be out for two months apiece, basically. Yeah. I mean, you wake up, you, you, you eat breakfast, you, you live and you die, and then Van Der Esch and Sean Lee are hurt. That's about as normal as that gets. So, uh, the overreaction is... Tom Brady looked like shit, and the Buccaneers are screwed. And then the Cowboys looked like absolute shit on the offensive side, and they're screwed as well. I think the Cowboys will bounce back. Uh, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to look that awful for the rest of the season, but I do think that they are in definite trouble of missing the playoffs. They play like that ever again against a good team because
0: and the they NFC, have one of the, the NFC for sure. Yeah,
2: the Buccaneers do not have a light schedule this year. Yeah, so they're going to they're going to play, play probably six or seven playoff teams this year, including the division, obviously. Yeah. They, they better get that shit together, man, or that won't be an overreaction.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, you nailed it on those overreactions. Those were definitely the headline overreactions. And I will throw in another bonus one. Not necessarily – it's a surprise and an overreaction simultaneously. The overreaction being the Colts that they lost to the Jaguars. That, it could look doom and gloom for them. It could be Phillip Rivers just absolutely being washed because he didn't look good against a Jaguars team who was absolutely tanking. And then the surprise being the Jaguars with Gardner Minshew absolutely playing out of his mind. I think he had like a ninety something rating. It was insane. He completed
2: he, or he incomplete. He had one incomplete one incompletion.
0: nineteen of twenty? Yeah. Like so I mean yeah, and he looked good he looked confident. And that's a good Colts defense. It's supposed to be one of the top defenses in this league. It yeah, was the Colts last shit year. The bed. The and Colts it was shit last year that's what I'm saying. So that the surprise that Gardner Minshew looked that good and the fact that he pulled out a win against a team who's supposed to be you have winning the division. Jesus Christ
2: as win the first six games. So yeah. They can't beat the easiest team on their schedule.
0: Yeah, so I think the, the overreaction I think for Colt it's Colts fans right now too feeling scared. I still think that Colts team could bounce back and, and 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 you know, move forward with that and put that behind them even though it's an inexcusable loss. You lose you lose to a team you're supposed to dominate week one that's tanking. And literally sold you know had a fire cell for the roster. So there's no reason to, to lose that. So I'm telling Colts fans just don't overreact to that. Even though if this if next week looks that way and they lose again in a bad fashion and Phillip Rivers looks like shit again. Then you got then it's two weeks in a row and you gotta be a little worried.
2: I legitimately believe, and I'm not saying this just to be tongue in cheek. I mean it's kind of a joke, but it's really not. I think if Patrick Mahomes would have played for the Colts that week and threw left handed, they
0: won that game.
1: Like <laughs> no,
2: River, all back
0: all behind the back dude, I mean,
2: Jesus, like Phillip, <laughs> so if you look at his box scores, Philip Rivers' game wasn't wasn't terrible. But his interceptions were so god awful, man. Yeah. Like he already it was looked worn them, out. It was, yeah. It was horrible. On yeah, puns,
0: left and right. Yeah. Pissing
2: me off, man. I was, like, hyping the Colts up, I like, did, talking I, about that three seed, 11-5. and five. I never
0: believed in it, man. Just
2: absolutely just keistered all over I that, I don't even dude. think I have the
0: Colts in the playoffs. I don't. God, I'm, I'm holding tight. Just, man, just, the I just the Texans. I did dude. not feel good about it. No. <laughs>
3: all right, next question, Donnie Couch. Uh, is Nikola Jokic uh, now by and large the best center in the NBA, or is it still Joel Embiid?
2: Oh, look, man, we play you know, the NBA over the last few years has become a very positionless sport. Jokic doesn't play a true center. Jokic is a stretch four, if we're being honest, because he is so good at passing the ball. You know, I, I think we talked about this before. Uh, Jokic reminds me so much of Vladi Divac. He is an insane. He's like league. an evolved Arvidas Sabonis. Yeah, too. yeah, yes. Good Control, call. Good three, call. Yeah. yeah, he's more athletically gifted, I guess, than Vladi Divac. He's crafty. He's just super crafty. Yeah. He has like a little Dirk Nowitzki to yeah. his game, um, but. Is he more exciting than Joel Embiid as far as as far as how he plays? Probably, I think Joel Embiid is the better player, though. Mm. If that makes, I think he is because Joel Embiid is the type of guy that can go out there and get you thirty five and fifteen and three. Whereas Jokic, although can still do that. A lot of times Jokic has to choose. Is he going to be a facilitator this night, or is he going to go out and score? Because most times when he scores a lot of points, he's getting like three or four assists. When he goes out there and facilitates, he's getting himself 14 to 16 points with 12 assists. Not that that's bad yeah. at all. I mean, you're getting that from a guy that's seven foot tall. That's unbelievable. Um, they're just so different. It's hard for, It's hard. really. It would really come down to how do you want to build your team? Do you want a guy who's more true to the center position? You want to probably go with Joel Embiid, even though he can shoot from the outside on a... Decently consistent basis, or you want to go for a guy who's going to go out there and make the
0: Magic Johnson ish type of passes? You want to go with Jokic. Yeah, I think Jokic has arrived. I think he. Yeah. It's it's they're like you said they're two different, very different players because Joel Embiid is like a a point guard trapped in. Well, I mean they're both point guard esque. They both can facilitate really well, but you, uh, uh, um, uh, Embiid is definitely more. Gifted all the way around because he has the athleticism. Especially on the defensive side, he can euro step and boom on you. He can, yeah. you know, And he's a really good defender. He, can, he can, he's a good defender. yeah. He can fast break and windmill dunk. Jokic you know? is a horrible defender. If we're being honest, true. Here.
2: He's a horrible. Yeah, he's,
0: defender. he's he's a liability on defense, and he has zero. They get him on the pick and roll. Zero. All the time. Yeah, he's he's not a rim protector whatsoever. Um, but his craftiness on the offensive end, his ability to facilitate, like a true point guard could. I mean, it's his vision's insane. Um, so he's far more superior to Joel Embiid than that. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a tie right now between the two, honestly, if I can, you know, be a little unfair here and not pick one or the other. They both are dominant in so dif- different ways, but, I mean, the fact that he's been the centerpiece for this team that's in the Western Conference Finals and just did what they did to that Clippers team, he's just got, you know, as far, he's just, he's been as far as Joel Embiid has been in the playoffs, if not further now. Um He's right up there, man. And he's making his case as the best center. and I think he's he's pushing for it. He's a tri- he's a triple double machine, damn near every night. He's getting you know he's filling the stat sheet with triple doubles almost every single night. Uh, he stepped his game up. His numbers have gone up since he's been in the postseason. He's had career highs in the postseason, you know. So that he that shows you he comes up big in big moments. Joel Embiid hasn't done that much. Joel Embiid hasn't he's not his availability isn't always that great because he's hurt often. Um, so. Um, I would say right now he is the best just because he's here still and he's doing this and his numbers are insane, um, but I still would if I was building a team I would still pick Joel Embiid. All
3: right, next question: How good are uh, the Denver Nuggets going to be the next in the next three years?
2: Mm. Oh, um, Shit, yeah. that's
3: tough to say.
2: Uh, just with free agency, and everything like that. But I think as long as they have Jokic. And Jamal Murray over these next few years, which I expect Jokic or Jamal Murray to get significantly even better than he is right now, which is crazy in itself. Yeah. Um, there's gonna be a lot of changes on this team. Uh, I, I don't expect Millsap to be back next season, and even if he is, he'll be 36. Um, Gary uh, Gary Harris will be on this team probably over the next three years, so they'll have a young core. Mm-hmm. Jokic is only 25, Murray's 23, uh, Gary Harris I think is 23 as well. They're going to be a a perennial playoff team and probably a top three to four seed every single year. Uh, Because of the fact that LeBron James refuses to age, Anthony Davis is just now in his prime. Uh, The Clippers will still be around to choke more playoff series away. It's going to be tough for them to really get out of the West, but I will say that I I do expect them to be a perennial 56-58 win type of team and always in the mix. I will give them that much credit.
0: I mean, look how young they are, and they're already in the Western Conference Finals competing for a ring, you know I mean? This, this team's only going to improve and get better. I would like to see them try to go get Blake Griffin. If they can go get rid of Millsap and go get a dominant guy, a two-way player... <laughs> That's a like lot a, of salary bringing For sure, but I mean, maybe just for next year. If they want to make a run, if they want to build off and, what they just did this year. Yeah,
2: and I I'd I'd hate to steal this thunder if I steal it from you accidentally, but Michael Porter Jr.'s development's mm-hmm. going to be... Pivotal to yeah. their success. I've he becomes all a year. young star in this I've league. That all year, yeah. If he starts becoming a twenty-three to twenty-four point a game guy, yeah. that becomes an actual. Because his
0: frame and his ability, he's got be on the defensive yeah, side. He's, got he's a liability defensively, but some stars don't have to be like we've seen James Harden have major success and not be a good defender. He's he's gotten better over the years, but James Harden won MVP when he was absolutely terrible. And
2: then they need to find? They're going to have to find a defensive specialist. because pitch is also bad. On
0: the well, I think they need well. to find. They don't have a guy on this team outside of Jamal Murray who's like aggressive. An aggressive attack. Right. And I think Blake Griffin would be an, a, an incredible addition to this, having a power forward who can play like a, a true big. Yeah. Because Jokic isn't like a true big; he's a, more of a facilitator, shooting, crafty type guy. Right. So if they can get another, you know, strong type of dude next year, I know we're already counting them out as if we don't, you know, because we obviously think the Lakers are going to win this series. Um, but I, they're they're going to be here next year. I don't. I mean, I know though. I know the Warriors will be back in the race next year. So the West is going to be a little more mixed up, and we'll see what the Rockets do. But this is a young roster, man, and they're very impressive. They, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a more resilient team in the playoffs coming back from – they did what's never been done before, coming back three – against tough you know, competition. That Jazz team in that Series 1 was a, one of the best defensive teams in this league. It came back from 3-1. They just beat the Clippers, possibly the favorite to win the West this year, over the, hey. even over the Lakers a lot. I mean, most of the analysts we follow and love were picking the Clippers. You know, and they came back three one and beat them. This is a resilient bunch, and they can they can definitely grow off that. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them back because I like this group of guys. So I, I definitely think they'll be competitive next year and be right back in the race.
3: All right, uh, next question from Jeffrey Collin Jeffrey Colin Arrington. How bad did the Broncos look Monday night? Here's here's the thing about the Broncos. They didn't look terrible.
0: Yeah.
2: They just didn't look like a team that's going to win a lot of games because of situational football. That's their problem. I, this is where Drew Locke has to come up big, and he didn't. You, I, I, I spoke about it to open up the show. When you're a guy, when you're a team that that benefits off of three missed field goals, which is nine points on the board automatically for the Titans. Yeah. Not to mention an additional point from the PAT that uh, uh, Goskowski missed. You're talking about 10 points that were left on the board from your opponent. You have to capitalize, especially at home, especially on national television when everyone's waiting. Drew Locke, is, like I talked about, Drew Locke's been getting all this praise before he's ever done anything in his career to this point. If he would have went out there and won a game like that on a game-winning drive, then we could start having the conversation about, okay, this guy, he might have it because the Titans are a team that just got to the AFC Championship, brought almost everybody back. You know, you had, uh, what's his name, the the, the the linebacker for the Titans, and you get himself ejected by punching a guard from yeah. the Broncos like an idiot. All the momentum was on the Broncos' side, and they still squander that, that game. So I don't think they're a bad, like, a horrible team. No. It starts with leadership. And I, I'm talking about Vic Fangio. I never bought into him. I told you guys, I think he was going to be one of the reasons why this team comes up short this year. I don't believe in Drew Locke to this point because he's shown me nothing that tells me he's anything more than just a future backup quarterback in this league. That was highly touted coming out of college. Yeah, talented, but just highly touted and overrated. And they have nothing on the defensive side to getting to the quarterback. That's just when it comes to situational football. Can they make a clutch sack? Can they get a clutch touchdown? Can they get a? a McManus has a boot. Are you going to really be relying on your field goal kicker to win you games <laughs> on a consistent basis? I don't see it. I'm just I'm going to say that no, I, I don't think the Broncos suck. They're not going to be a good team at the same time. I think they're just going to be one of those teams that loses those frustrating three-point games, like they just, or two-point games, yeah. like they just did in week one.
0: They'll keep a lot of games close, but they'll squander them. Uh, this is a team that's built on defense, and they lost their number one player, their best player on the entire team, Von Miller. That—that's a blow. Not even—not even a blow, just physically to the to the team and the, the abilities that your defense can do, but just mentally, to lose a guy like that just start right before the season starts, you lose your captain of the team. That's a blow. Um, I I'm not gonna say Drew Locke isn't good yet. I still think he's got pretty good intangibles, and he, he's he's pretty level-headed guy. I don't see him out there just choking games away. I think he's in it for the most part. He seems very confident, but there's a lot of chemistry issues on that on that offense. They have weapons. I mean, Melvin Gordon actually looked really good against that that Titans defense. He actually was running really really well, and I think they'll have a good rush offense this year. But with Jerry Judy and this, this, the lack of chemistry there, I, I don't think. Um, the number one receiver, though, didn't play. Courtland um, Sutton. Cortland Sutton wasn't out there. I and don't I, believe he was. No, he wasn't out there. So that's the guy he has chemistry with. Jerry Duty's a rookie. There wasn't a preseason really to get that going. So I do think they will progress as the year goes. They have a good roster from top to bottom. I do think the coach is an issue. I don't think he's the guy there. Um, but I think that they will win some games. Uh, I forget what I had them. I, think they had them. I think I had them winning seven games this year, just simply off the, the running ability and the talent in the running game and the defense is still a talented group. Um, they will be in a lot of games, but like you said, they're going to squander a lot of games late. So they weren't that impressive, I'm being honest. But I mean, I wasn't expecting too much from them this year. How are we doing over there, Eddie? Pretty good. <laughs>
3: uh, next question uh, comes from Brian Herbert. Okay. Uh, Frank Clark or Chris Jones, who will lead the cheese and sacks this year? I think it's going to be Frank Clark. Uh,
2: just because Chris Jones, although he did have a season where he had 15 and a half sacks, which is unbelievable coming up the middle, at the end of the day, uh, defensive tackles or guys in the middle don't usually lead their team in sacks. At least good teams, uh, good defensive teams. Frank Clark is on a good defensive team. Uh, so I think that or Frank Chris Jones is on a good defensive team. I think Frank Clark is going to get himself... Anywhere from 12 to 13 sacks this season. Does he season. have a half sack already? He has a half sack. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think he's going to be in that 12 to 13 sack ratio, which will be obviously honorable, and I think Chris Jones will be flirting with 8 to 10, which is great, like I said, coming up from the middle. Uh, yeah. But it, it, this this team is just so well-balanced on both sides of the ball and on defense in, in this particular conversation, uh, this particular topic. I don't think that there's going to be a guy that you know, single-handedly has 17, 18 sacks. I think there's going to be a very well-balanced attack. But if I had a bet... On one of these two guys, it's gonna be Frank Clark just because of position alone.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna just, I'm just for the spite of it, I'm gonna be contrarian. I'm gonna say Chris Jones. I think they both feed off each other really, really well. Chris Jones is a different type of guy at that position. He 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 gets to the quarterback so well and he is relentless. And I love the way that Frank Clark, and we saw just this past game against the Texans, the way Frank Clark sets the edge. It sets up Chris Jones to get more sacks because the way he has he's Frank Clark looks so fast off that edge, man. The fact that he's he's getting off the edge that quick is going to open up. Because I think you can't double team both of them. You know, you can't throw two bodies at both of them. It depends. It really depends on who's going to get the doubles more. Because Frank Clark is going to, I think, going to demand. I know that the size and and the relentlessness of Chris Jones demands a double, but the the speed off the edge demands a lot of attention from Frank Clark, and I think Chris Jones is going to benefit off that. It could definitely go either way. I think Frank Clark should get more sacks, but I'm going to say Chris Jones just because they both feed off each other so well, and I think it's going to be a race, but they should both rack up a good amount of sacks this year, but I'm going to say Chris Jones.
3: All right, next question comes from Brian Herbert again. Uh, Should we sit Ward until the Ravens game or let him play through the hand injury? Chavarius Ward, I'm assuming?
2: Okay, Uh, he's already out. Uh, They've they've ruled him out, so that answers the question. Uh, But if I was was to uh, make that suggestion, if I was... Look, I'm not going to tell a guy that's injured not to play or to play. That's going to be up to him, in my opinion. I know the coaches will advise or the trainers will advise. Uh, I was kind of hoping he would give it a go this week, not just because the Chiefs are thin at that position, but because I feel like you know if you can wrap it up well enough and, and it's, it, it's it, it becomes a pain thing, there's ways around that. But obviously the Chiefs felt, uh, as a team, that it was not worth putting him out there this week, and he was not a full participant in any day of practice this week, and from what I remember so it makes a
0: lot of sense he's not playing this week. I mean it must be a, it must be worse than we thought, and hopefully he can bounce back against the Ravens. I think he'll be back for the Ravens game. I think it's just a, a slight fracture in his hand, and that's something I think at that position you can play on. It's not like he's a hand in the dirt kind of guy, you know. Depending, on, he's not in the in the trenches every single snap. He's a guy that's out there playing, and he he gets his attention when he gets his attention. It's not like he's involved in every single play. Um, so his position, he can get away with it a little more. I just think they're giving him that one week of rest. And I think he should be good to go, um, and that's a that's a that's a injury that can heal within a couple weeks maybe two three weeks so even if he misses the ravens game i think he'll be back pretty quickly um but yeah just i was hoping he'd he'd be out there as well Uh, but this isn't a matchup that i think scares anybody to where we need we have to have our depth out there corner i trust specs to scheme um terod taylor out of this game i think our defensive front will get after terod taylor really well this this week and i think we'll pull off the win regardless so i don't think it's a necessity to have him out there
3: all right uh next question brian herbert again uh, besides LeBron and A.D. for the Lakers and Jokic and Murray for Denver, who will be the third option who makes the biggest impact for each team in this series?
2: The third op- the third option for each team? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing about the Lakers is they don't really have a third option guy. It just comes by the, the bench, uh, a collective effort. But if I'm going to go off and just impact alone, I think it's going to be Alex Caruso. I think he's the type of guy that just gets that team energized. I think he's the type of guy that comes off the bench and just gets that defense on lockdown. He's an incredibly great he's incre- he's a very underrated defender.
0: Um oh, so he's got I'm gonna, a motor, man. I'm gonna
2: go I'm gonna go with Caruso in this series in particular. I think Rondo would be the, the safe bet, but I'm gonna i I'm gonna say Caruso in this series on for the the um, the nuggets, it's gonna have to be Michael Porter Jr. He's gonna have I know Gary Harris is, is right now the more is the better player probably overall right now yeah, right, right. but I think if Michael Porter can go out there and score 20 25 points the the nuggets can have themselves a series here and I don't see that happening but if he if he could be that guy that third scorer on this team the Lakers would have to add a little bit of, of, of seriousness to this this the series that's that's my, those are my votes
0: yeah Michael Porter's got to be that guy because this is this is the birth of a possible no I'm not gonna say he's a a possible star yet, but he has star potential, um, and I think he could become that. He could form a big three here in Denver if he if he blossoms into a guy. and This is gr- I mean, think about the experience this kid's getting. You know, he's in the Western Conference Finals against a LeBron-led team with Anthony Davis, and he's getting this experience. You know, whether they get swept, whether what happens, I I know they just got blown out here, which is it's fun to see. Um, it's um, only twelve points, not blown out. Yeah, now. they're they're hammered down by double digits, like the majority of the entire game. Um, but really. uh, they. Uh, I, I think Michael Porter has got to be that guy with this size and his, his, his offensive ability. I think he's got this is his chance to blossom and get that experience to be that third guy for this uh, for that team. And then for the Lakers, I think I don't know what the numbers are for this game, but I think Dwight Howard's going to be that guy for the Lakers. Yeah, thirteen points.
2: And I think mean six rebounds
0: tonight. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, if he, can, if he can if he can offer a offer up a double double on a nightly basis against. I, I, I the main reason I say Dwight Howard is just defensively for Jokic. You know, being that, that true rim protector, we're talking about a former multiple defensive player of the year, MVP type player in his prime, you know, so he still got that he still looks great when he's gotten his minutes this year. I mean he's he gets in foul trouble often, but I think he could be that key cog to kind of give him that nasty in the inside against Jokic and protect that rim. So I'm gonna say Dwight Howard.
3: All right. Uh Brian Herbert's last question, and then we got one more after this. Uh Lance and Trevor, so let's say Kansas City had an NBA team with LeBron on it, right? For whatever reason, the city could only keep one team, and you were the final vote to break the tie. Would you keep a a LeBron-led NBA team or a Mahomes-led Chiefs?
2: This is a stupid question. (laughs) Uh, No offense. I love you, Brian. I'm just being honest. It's clearly Patrick Mahomes' team. Look, and and, and for the biggest reason, I'll just give you the biggest reason.
0: Stupid question.
2: Eventually, eventually LeBron is going to retire, and it's a lot sooner. It'll be this year. It's a lot sooner than Patrick Mahomes. And second of all, Patrick Mahomes changed everything here in Kansas City. And, And football is king. As much as we love basketball and LeBron James and all those things, at the end of the day, let's just simplify this question. Let's say that it's Sunday, like this Sunday coming up, and it's the Chiefs playing the Chargers, and it's Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals. And they played, let's say, at the exact same time. Do you know what game I'm watching the entire time? Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and it's not even close. I love LeBron James. He's my favorite athlete of all time outside of Patty Mahomes. But my loyalty is to my team. I love this Chiefs team more than anything else on this planet that's not a human. So I'm going to go ahead and say confidently I would stick with my Chiefs Led by one Patty Mahomes.
0: Yeah, I'm still alive because Love Patrick you, Mahomes. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's, it's without a doubt Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the, me and Lance, we, our family, we grew up diehard Chiefs fans before any other sport, before any other team, before any other player that we loved. It was always Chiefs everything. So the fact that we've put in all the time and we've suffered through years and years of failures – and, and and faux success seasons where we thought we were gonna we, we had hope and we thought and we failed and we thought and we failed. Now we have the best guy in the league and he's in our hometown. I'm not trading that for anything. I mean he he delivered my biggest hope and dream as a fan. You know I, I have a having a, a Super Bowl in my lifetime and I'm, I'm looking forward for more in my lifetime. So he's it's not even a question. LeBron James is by far my favorite basketball player of all time. He's been a joy to watch. Outside of the Super Bowl, the Chiefs this past season, the greatest 2016 Finals was the greatest sports moment of my life. Uh, that comeback was just incredible. Uh, I've, I've been a diehard fan of his since the beginning. So, uh, but I still would never trade anything for what I have right now, and, and you know, having the best player in football birthed in this city, Breach. and, 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 and on you know, the toughest sport out there. As far as professional goes, I yeah, it's no doubt, hands down, Patrick Mahomes here. In, in yeah, and,
2: and, and let's be honest for a second. I mean, we're talking about the the, the career of Patrick Mahomes, the legacy of Patrick Mahomes just beginning. Right, LeBron, that's I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, we've
0: just seen. We got one of, ring yeah. already. I'm looking forward to more. Yeah. Like LeBron's on his way out. So. LeBron's about to get his fourth.
2: You know, Patrick Patrick's got some you know catching up to do. Yeah,
0: even I mean, even if even if we can rewind the clock and have a, a, an NBA team here starting with LeBron, I'm still choosing the Super Bowls. I'm still choosing. Yeah, my how about, my how favorite. About it, let,
3: let's say both were the same age.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, even it's then, still Homes. I'm it's still Patrick Mahomes because okay. there's nothing more exciting and nothing more braggadocious as a fan, especially, especially the passion of football, right? Being the best team with the best player in football. There's nothing more exciting than that especially at the cornerback position. It's not like we have like a, a prime Ray Lewis you know, guy out there cracking heads. That's fun to watch. But when you have the best quarterback, a game-changing quarterback that came in and changed the game and is making throws that no one ever would make before and started off as hot as he has and already has a ring and an MVP and a, and a Super Bowl MVP, it's, it's the greatest time of my life as a sports fan. I'm not taking that back for anything. All
3: right. Uh, last question comes from Ever Ernesto again uh two questions from Ever. Que- yeah two questions it, it is a
2: new moon it is a balance the chakras what's up
3: uh his next question or his question is last question is also why do i not get invited to dissect five weekends i am the combat god of kc <laughs> <laughs> hey
2: ever look man uh you've been a you've been one hell of a contributor for years uh we used to play football together out in mm. uh at Piper on Saturday. I
0: Saturdays. believe he was there when I broke my leg. Yeah, I believe, yeah. I yeah, he was out there. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, fuck that day.
2: Uh, ever, <laughs> dude. No one's stopping you. You, you. you got an invite here. If you got, if you got Zoom and you got time on a Friday, <laughs> give us a segment, man. Dedicated segment. We could talk some UFC. Let's oh, yeah. do it, man. How about uh, the next big card that's coming up? I don't know what the next big card next,
0: is. Next weekend, I believe. Well, this weekend. Well, this, yeah, I mean, this isn't tomorrow that big of a is card. This next yeah. weekend, uh,
2: uh, the next big card. Let's let's go ahead and put this down on receipts. The next big card we'll have ever come on for a segment and don't talk about this. I'll bust you those. out. Yeah, will you yeah. out ever. Come on, man. Well, well, how about this? If you don't show up, we get to put you in a chokehold for thirty seconds.
3: <laughs> Say
0: less. Uh, and,
2: and, and then, yeah,
0: yeah. You have to, you have to let go. Then, you have to go out, and we have to resuscitate you.
2: And then you have to give, <laughs> then you have to give Eddie three free training classes of UFC style fighting. Yeah.
0: Deal. And then you got to get a tramp stamp tattoo with my face on it. There you go. Ooh, yeah. Nice.
2: And we got to do it here.
0: Yeah. You okay. got to have
2: the tattoo artist here. What's <laughs> okay. up, Gat? Uh, we've got
4: some complaints. Shocking, Eddie. Is, is Eddie Hatch. Socks again? Uh, no. Donnie wants you to answer the question who would look weirder if they shaved their beard, Lance or James Harden?
0: Oh... Oh, I already know the answer. To that. Look,
2: I don't, I don't know if I would look weirder, but I will tell I guarantee you, I would look like the baby. You would look like a child. I guys. don't remember what James Harden looked like without a beard. Oh, I, it's it's, it's hideous. It's, it's
0: people under the stairs. Ooh, yeah. good. Call. Okay, it, then let's good. go with
2: Harden. But I, I will say that I am definitely, I'm definitely the baby. Like <laughs> you shave this off, I'm the girl yeah. Look at that. Child. Look
0: at that. That's people under the stairs. That, right there. Okay,
2: Harden by a landslide.
0: I got any macaroni? Look at it, that's that is, that's the
2: people. Oh shit! That's people under
0: the stairs. Look! At that, look at how the beard changes. The beard That's changes the his entire person? face. Yeah.
2: I guess the eyebrow. Well, got his, away. I believe Sorry got for his... our podcasters. You can't see this. But uh, just look. Just look hair up hair.
0: James Harden without a beard. There you go. I believe he got Holy. his teeth fixed too. I believe he got his teeth or fixed. Or
2: he just too. got a beard. He almost looks like Urkel.
0: Without I'm pretty sure his teeth got fixed, though, like the last couple of years. Well,
2: yeah, he's worth a hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Harden yeah. by a
0: landslide. You would just look like a... Yeah, you would look like a Gerber baby, for sure. <laughs> he, he, I, he do, looks, I do. I do look like a Gerber baby. It's like, this, looks, he looks like he has webbed feet. Yikes. Beard. Fair question, Donnie. Donnie
4: said in all caps, what the fuck? So... <laughs>
2: I like the I reaction. I scarred the people.
4: But that's it. That's uh, all we had to uh, get you.
2: Good meal, bad guys. Uh, thank you so much for contributing. Uh, it's been great every single week for I would say like ten solid weeks. Keep it coming, guys. We love it. We love uh, letting you guys take over the show and uh, basically give us what you got. So yeah. every Monday, you'll see that post come in various times. I, I'd like to say I do it every eight a.m. ish, but I don't. I do it sometimes at five. Depends on when I, uh, you know, dedicate the time to do it. But in the meantime, guys, we have one more order of this. What is it called? Hold, hold this L. L. Favor. And hold this L.
1: Somebody's got to hold that
0: L. <laughs> the who? The her.
2: I'm talking like Caps Lock llllll LL Cool J stuff. Hold that L.
0: Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, veiny, pulsating L.
1: Man... You are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> wow, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this
0: L.
2: It is time to hold this L. Each and every week what we like to do is give out some friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. Regardless if they're friendly or unfriendly or not, I promise you the people and the teams or the sports in general deserve them. Mm. And I cannot wait to hear why F1 deserves an L this week from Eddie. Or yeah, T. Yeah. So, Mr. Yo Yo himself, go ahead and give that F, the F uh, hold this L to F1. How
3: about that? Let's go ahead and just
2: expedite right. the process. All
3: right, man. I'll, I'll try it now, but uh, F1 actually is not, not been bad. Oh, shit. Success. You put him on the show for a week. Yeah. Nice. Him, little change him, of pace. Yeah, yeah. All right, go ahead. Other than the boring race, other than the I know it ain't going to be the Lakers. There's nothing to that. So, who, who we got? Oh,
2: you sure? A mystery. Let's do it. No, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I, my, my,
3: l, my l is gonna go to whoever convinced mr. Paul mr Logan Paul <laughs> that uh, <laughs> he can take uh he can take on none other than uh mr money mr money mayweather whoever agreed to let Logan Paul signed this contract should be (laughs) held accountable for whatever happens to Logan Paul in this fight. Uh, That's all I'm going to say. So, (laughs) for that agent, whoever fucking said, yeah, this is a good idea, bro. Let's do it. Yeah, you're going to have to hold this
2: L. L. I'm going to say something real quick to that. Because that's a valid L. That is. It's valid. Logan Paul deserves it. At the same time, Floyd Mayweather deserves an alpha. This think right. about having that's pretty, such a pristine legacy. It's a low bar, yeah. Having such a pristine legacy in your profession, right? And then you end up becoming a gimmick. He's a gimmick, dude. You're a gimmick now. Yep. Just just because you can't oh, you can't save money. That's because he's old. Well, I'm okay. My point he, is, obviously, he Obviously, millions, is doing it for money. Yeah, hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars in his career. And he squandered it to the point he has to take on YouTubers.
0: Unless he's becoming a charity for other I people's mean, Nate careers. Nate Robinson's fighting. Fucking... Okay, Nate Robinson's not an not a all time great boxer. One of the richest athletes of all time. All time. And he has to make <laughs> more, more money than I think he's like top five all time so, in earnings. It's so, yeah, so although,
2: although Logan Paul, whatever the hell this guy's name is, this yeah. douche. Although he's going to get his bullet absolutely whoop wo- yeah. if it's a real fight, which by the way we saw we've seen Mayweather fight big fights, dances with gloves and with Floyd May- or uh, Conor McGregor. Yeah. That's a dance with gloves. <laughs> This might be that too, but if
0: it's a real fight, I don't care.
2: Conor was much more of a challenge old. than this dude is. I don't care if Mayweather's forty-two years old. Yeah. If they get in that ring and have a real fight, that's over in thirty seconds. He's gonna
0: go dance around. It's, it's over in thirty seconds. He's a senior citizen now. It's sad. Trevor, who's um, holding the um, nail for you this week, my man? Um, you actually are holding the L. Oh, yes! Um, yes! Shit! I'm just get you have out. the, the just record, gonna, bro. You have the gonna, record. I'm just gonna stick it in right now. Um, he has <laughs> yeah, the record of nails. So. I believe when we were doing our predictions, you heavy had, heavy lies the crown. You, you had, had the, the yeah, I'm not even spitting on it. I'm just yep going. Jesus um, Christ, get to it. <laughs> get um, to it. So going um, raw, I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's how I do things. Um, anyways, the Detroit Lions. I believe you had them winning the division. Ooh Correct. I did at nine and seven, which means they're gonna have plenty of losses. Yeah, this Yeah, nine and seven. That's. I mean, how many teams? Okay, how many teams make the playoffs after going you know, oh and two to start the year.
2: Uh, like, I don't have that in,
0: number. In the I mean. NFC. In the, in the NFC right now.
2: It really depends on what division two?
0: you're talking about. If they were in the oh. NFC West, okay. I'd be like, yeah, they're Okay, four. they're in the they're in the they're in the division of the the guy we were just talking about a little earlier in the show, Aaron Rodgers. And the division with Kurt Cousins week. who had two completions in the first half. Who they're facing this week after they just lost to Mitchell Trubisky in a comeback victory in the fourth quarter. But they, they let Mitchell they Trubisky do that. They did that not that happened last week. Trubisky. They did um, Trubisky. So that's not the best start for you there. Not. And then now going to this week, they're playing Aaron Rodgers who just dismantled that Vikings defense. And they're without Desmond Trufant, their number one corner. Could they replace Darius Slayton? Yeah, eh, they got a CUDA. Okay, and they're right. without their number one receiver again, Kenny Galladay. Uh, so you're looking at, I mean, it, this is right up right now. They're going to lose that game to the Packers. It's pretty bad L. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so they're going to start the season 0 2. Your division winner there. Yeah. Right. They're in the, and they're, they're in the division with the Packers, right?
2: Look, I heard Stafford's a hiker. He right. likes to hike well, up hills, no. man. They're, this they're is an the,
0: uphill battle. They're in the yeah. division of the guy yeah. we were just talking about that might be the MVP this year, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's already looking pretty doom and gloom Jeez. for you. So I'm going to give your 0-2 Lions... I'm going to just call it 0-2 already as it is because Aaron okay. Rodgers isn't losing that game to the Lions because he doesn't lose to them. Uh huh. Um, and this isn't Thanksgiving to where, you know, it's in any given Sunday for the Lions because that's one of the only few times they actually play well. For some reason, they put them on TV every Thanksgiving, you know. It's a tradition. For like some reason. Other. Yeah, yeah, Except when the Chargers get hurt. Yeah. So f- for the 0-2 Lions, for Lance's shitty prediction, for his undying love for a quarterback that's never going to succeed in this league, unfortunately... <laughs> Great talent, but this is never going to succeed because he's stuck in Detroit. It's too bad. They're going to be 0-2, and Lance is going to look a little silly here to start of the year in his predictions. Um, so, Lance, 0-2 Lions, do me a favor. Hold this L.
2: Oh, you didn't even oh. let them do it? Okay, okay.
0: I, I, I want the real thing. You look. guys can get join in on this. I oh. want this. Lance, the 0-2 Lions, do me a favor. And hold this L! Hey, there we go. Oh. Thank you. Now it's authentic. Now, now it hurts. You guys, I was waiting for you.
2: Now it hurts. Look. It's going to be an uphill battle, man. And we have this on recording, so let's uh, – <laughs> I can't wait, wait to the L.I.C. Oh, Trevor.
0: If they start 0 oh. and make the playoffs, I'm going to look like a dumbass.
2: Get ready. I, I, they're I, only going to get healthier, not and news. the schedule's only going to not... get lighter. They get, it's they, NFC. They, they, they ripped they rip the Band-Aid out. They ripped the Band-Aid off now Aaron Rodgers. It has Rodgers right here. They ripped that Band-Aid it's off. It's
0: the NFC. Though. They get it
2: They get it out of the way week two. They don't get to face until like week nine. They can't beat the Bears.
0: I, I don't know It's all right. It's all right. Can't beat the Bears.
2: Mitchell I'm Trubisky. having fun over here with my guy Stafford.
0: Mitchell Trubisky beat you. It's all right. Weird. Ken Swanson's got my back. Whew. Yeah, I'm sure he does.
2: I'm going to read something uh, from Sports Illustrated that came out two days ago. So bear with me, guys, as I actually read this verbatim because it's actually the point in everything I'm trying to, or I'm going to state in just a second. 670 The Score in Chicago has fired afternoon host Dan McNeil uh, following his misogynistic remarks uh, regarding ESPN's Maria Taylor on Monday night. McNeil tweeted a picture of Taylor on the sidelines at MetLife Stadium on Monday, writing, quote, NFL sideline reporter or a host of the Adult Video News AVN Annual Awards presentation mm-hmm. and a question. McNeil quickly deleted the tweet after receiving criticism, and what do you know? He was fired the next day on Tuesday. Quote from uh, 670 The Score. look that's what they're called. Yeah, 670 Score in Chicago. Quote, Dan, Dan McNeil is no longer an employee at the Score. That's literally all they said. End quote. Um, last of well, they actually did add on later on last night's tweet, and its degrading and humiliating tone to a fellow female broadcaster was unacceptable. End quote. Taylor herself responded to the news of McNeil's firing on Tuesday. She quote tweeted saying, "Well, Danny, dearest, if you would like to continue making sexist comments about me, dot dot dot." Please bring your misogyny with you to the NBA Countdown doubleheader I'll be hosting tomorrow night, Taylor tweeted. And also quoted, Hey ladies, remember you can wear whatever whatever you feel confident in. End quote. Mm. Needless to say, this was not a good week for Mr. Dan McNeil. And needless to say, it goes further than that. It's not a good week for guys that still think this way and feel this way and talk this way and feel that's going to be all right and acceptable in our society. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but things are rapidly changing in society. And I don't know if you guys have noticed that over the last, like I don't know, two decades or three decades, women are starting to get that respect that they've deserved all along. See, back in the Leave It to Beaver days, there was this thing called uh, uh, gender roles where... Women had to be in the kitchen and make the man his dinner when he comes home from work and then she gets to rub his back and talk about, you know, how was your day, honey? And she (laughs) takes care of the house and the kiddos while he goes out and becomes a man. Those days are done because women are out here making shit happen for women all across the board. And Maria Taylor is one of those women that are hustling left and right. You see her all over TV. I believe Michelle
0: Obama. I blame Michelle. There's
2: a reason for this. Maria Taylor's out here making shit happen for herself and for women alike. And we're seeing them across the board, especially in the sports landscape.
0: Mm.
2: The woman who created our network here is a woman. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Miss Gat.
0: The woman is a woman. I'm
2: the woman saying. is a woman. Absolutely. Come to find out. We found out 100% confirmed.
0: She's indeed not a man.
2: So here's the thing, man, is that guys like Gaming McNeil, I hate to say it, they got to go away. Hmm. And I am so glad this motherfucker lost his job. Because that is about as stupid and as careless of a statement as you could possibly make. And if you actually not to not to even be Mr. Fashion Police here, but if you actually go and look at what Maria Tara was wearing, it was very casual, very very casual. Showing some shoulder, holy shit, bro! Go back to your fucking Amish community if that's going to make it that racy for you. If you if you struggle that much to 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 put together any other words other than those pieces of shit w- comments, I don't know what else I can I, I can I can say here, man. Because that was. Without question, something that didn't need to be said, even amongst friends. That's something you don't even say amongst friends, because it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yep. It'd be one thing if she was out there in a G-string, and you're like, what the fuck is she doing? That's a little odd. But even <laughs> in that, in her own confidence, like she said, women, go out there and wear whatever,
0: whatever the hell you want, because guys are doing it too. Well, it's not like those guys are a professional paid comedian, you know, and you're, you're paid to say where you're non- Yeah, where you're PC playing a shit. shtick. It's a right. shtick.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's different. Right. The context of this guy was being an asshole. Being a misogynistic asshole, and he got what he fucking deserved, and that's called the unemployment line. So my guy Dan McNeil, do me a motherfucking favor and hold this L. Danny boy. Huh? Fun show, guys. Our guy Beakley came in, served it up, as we expected. Nothing short, nothing less. We appreciate it. It's gonna be a fun weekend of football. It's gonna be a fun weekend of basketball. As LeBron gets to his tenth NBA finals very shortly. Cannot wait. Eddie, we can put we can put two races on this. I mean, we still haven't done the first one. Our guys have been waiting on the and the thread, man. We, we I'll race you backwards. Oh, let's do it. Let's I'll do it run right backwards, for Christ's sake. Get up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday and let's do this shit. <laughs> oh, it's been a good time, guys. I, I want to thank everybody that's been a part of the live stream, all of our YouTubers, all of our podcasters, the OGs out there. We always love you guys and appreciate you. Last week's show was the highest-rated show on the podcast side yeah. since the Super Bowl, so I want to thank everybody that was a part of that. I know Chiefs football... Absolutely helps the needle, so we want to thank that. But I know our live streamers are true to form. You guys have been commenting the shit out of things. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Hit up the Monday mailbag like we do each and every week. But in the meantime, for Jay Binkley, for Gat, for Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, Trevor Twidwell, I am Lance Twidwell saying that episode 82 of the Spoken Podcast is wrapped up, finished, and done. Cannot wait to talk about another Chiefs victory after this week. But in the meantime, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy it. Be safe, guys. Social distance as much as you possibly can. We love you all. Have a great night. The Spoken Podcast, we out of this bitch.
0: Go Chiefs.
4: Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably been hearing a lot about the stock market lately. Millions of people are beginning to invest for the first time ever. And we're realizing that the financial system should be built to work for us. That's why Robinhood is creating real human education resources, truly digestible financial news, and a platform that lets you invest in your own way, on your own terms. The next generation of investors is already here, and it includes you. Robinhood. Investing is risky. Robinhood Financial, LLC.
0: Nine one one. What's your emergency? Una camioneta,
1: una camioneta que se cruzan las vías y el tren. Ay, Dios mío.
0: Señora, ¿me está diciendo que un tren le pego a una camioneta?
1: Sí. Yo pensé que cruzar, el hijo iba
0: rápido. Creo y después. Ay, Dios mío, qué horror.
1: No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obédecelos. Alto. El tren no para. Mensaje de Neta.